of the Remnant Call, and praise God, if you didn't hear last week's program with Brother Jamie Walden, uh, I just encourage you to listen. Uh, He not only knows the Word of God, he is truly on fire for the Lord. Um, If you ever watch him, you notice he doesn't sit there and thumb through the scriptures. He quotes it from memory. And folks, God wants us to know his word. And so please listen to last week's program. These days we are living in are definitely difficult. The holidays are coming. Uh, People are, you know, Thanksgiving, people are are getting lonely, all the lockdowns. But folks, remember, God is our refuge. He will get us through, even though the times are bleak. And listen, folks, if if they Trump ends up winning this thing, it is going to be all hell's going to break loose. And if he doesn't, well, I'm telling you what, they're going to want Biden to pay their dues to all these groups that support him. Either way, it's a no win. But who is going to win? The Lord. He's going to win. Well, tonight, this is a special episode. I found this episode. This is a classic from Brother Benjamin Brute called Matters of the Heart. Uh, It was recorded on Omega Man some years ago. Um, I had uh, remembered the episode. I had kind of forgotten about it. And a friend of mine who's mid-80s, I was uh, helping him transfer some stuff over on his laptop to a new computer. And I found this episode. I had recorded it or uh, copied it out for him and put it on his computer so he could listen to it. Uh, He's the one who actually introduced me to Benjamin uh, 21 years ago, I guess. And so... um, uh, brother Jim had this and praise God. I was like, Oh, matters of the heart. What a powerful program folks. And it's relevant for today. It is one you're not going to want to miss. It's a longer episode, but I'll tell you, um, it's, it was one that I was so moved by. I had to just share it with people and I want to share it with you tonight. So you're in for a treat as we get into this classic episode by brother Benjamin Brooke, who was on the Omega man radio program at the time called matters of the heart. Benjamin, welcome back to Mega man radio. Hey, great to be back. It's good to have you back. My friend, how you been? I'm good. I've been good. I, Actually had a chance to meet Pastor uh, Kyle up in Montana. Oh man! The high Holy Days, and that was, uh, that was wonderful. God. Yeah, his uh, his wife uh, Linda. What a godly woman! Oh man, it was just a blessed time. And uh, he's a good brother. He is a really good brother. Had some good time with him and and his wife and seeking the Lord. Trying to get ready, you know. We got a clean house. We got to get ready because, brother, it's here. It's about to come. Amen. Uh, Benjamin, go ahead and open up tonight with prayer, please. Absolutely. Father, thank you. Thank you that we have breath today, that we live today, that we can hear your word today. And, Lord, that you are still reaching out and calling your people home. Lord, you're still calling the prodigals home. You're still wooing your beloved into the wilderness. Father, I pray that you would touch our lives. 
you would touch our hearts tonight and that you would speak a rema word of life, that you would pour out living water, and that you would manifest yourself through the living bread, the bread of life that came down, it comes down out of heaven, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we look to you. We look to your word. We ask you to give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to understand. Lord, I pray you would give us hearts that understand. And we thank you for all good things come from you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, may the Lord be glorified. We lift your name high, Jesus. We lift your name up. Let us decrease, Lord, and let you increase in each of our lives. We consecrate this time to you now in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, Benjamin, did you all have a uh, psalm assembly? We did, yes. Yeah, a very small group of believers gathered together, and we spent several days fasting in preparation, and preparation, and we sought the Lord, we cried out to our God, and it was a blessing. It was good. It's always God, good to fast and pray and seek the Lord. And you know, the Lord always honors the times that we set apart unto Him and when we're willing to seek Him and, and we go to the effort. You know, it takes some effort. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, Shannon. And the violent will take it by force. And we're in a spiritual battle. And this battle doesn't come to the faint-hearted. It's not won by people who are, you know, going to make a partial or part-time commitment. This commitment has to be a commitment that is the total commitment of our heart. We cannot be divided. You know, we cannot have two masters. We can't have our hearts invested in the world and our hearts invested in the kingdom. It does not work. If you try to serve two masters, you will love one and despise the other. Or you will have a war in your person. Your flesh will be in love with the world and your spirit will be grieving and crying out for God's deliverance. And it's a woeful state to have a mixed multitude within you. To be part of a mixed multitude. And Shannon, you know from scripture the mixed multitude cannot and will not enter in to the promises, to the promised land. So we've got to, you know, do whatever we can. Right, brother? Amen. You're exactly right. You know, um, James 1.8 says a double-minded man is uh, unstable in all of his ways. And, um, yeah, we, we, we can't uh, serve two master, folks. You'll get ripped apart, literally. you got to yeah, be hot or know, cold. But Shannon, I think that's really the the objective reality for much of the church. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. I mean, this is the generation that is pure in their own eyes, but is not washed from their iniquity. This is a generation that was appointed, it was raised up for the wrath of God to be poured out. The Lord even refers to our generation as the generation of my wrath. And 
being the generation of God's wrath, being the generation that is like unto the generation in the days of Noah, being a, a people like unto the people of Sodom and the people of Gomorrah. It's a, it's a time and it's a nation of people that have embraced evil and called it good. We've chosen the lie for a covering and we've made a covenant with death and with hell we are now in agreement as a people. And having chosen a covenant of death, but it will not cover us in what's coming. And it is a time of woe under the people of this world and under the people of this country. A great woe is about to come upon them. And in the midst of this wicked and perverse generation, Shannon, even in the sanctuary of the Lord, in the places they call the church, and in the assembly of those that call themselves the saints, we find compromise, we find hypocrisy, we find people crying out, Lord, Lord, who do not know him. They only know his name. And they're blind. They cannot see. Their ears are deaf. They cannot hear. Their eyes are blinded. They cannot see. Their hearts are hardened. And they stand in pride. And they are the apostate church. And it is everywhere. And that apostasy, because the wickedness has grown, because wickedness has greatly increased, the love of the many has grown cold. And the scripture says that in this time, and this is in Micah, Micah chapter 7, the best of them is a thorn hedge. The most upright among them is a briar, sharper than a briar. And it's because of the iniquity of this hour. It's because of the apostasy that swept into the church. It's because of the, it's because of the evil that is That's before right. our eyes every single day that this apostasy has touched virtually every one of us. Now, I'm not trying to be dogmatic. And I'm sure that the Lord has a holy remnant. He's purifying a holy remnant even now. But we live amid, in, in the midst of a rebellious people. And we live in the midst of a rebellious church. Much of the church, Shannon, that was called by his name has been swept away by false prophets. They've been swept away by false doctrines. They have been swept away by a false anointing. And there's a false spirit, a lying spirit, that is at work in the majority of the assemblies that gather together in the name of Jesus in this hour. And they teach doctrines of demons from the pulpits. And they speak prophetic words from the throne of hell from the voices of the false prophets and there's a false anointing that is mimicking the work of the Holy Spirit being poured out in many churches that at one time thought themselves 
spirit-filled or charismatic or Pentecostal or whatever you want to call it. And today, in many, many of these places, there's now another spirit being poured out. That's right. That is how bad it is. And, you know, the, the nation itself has turned to embrace complete lies. You know, it's absolute deceit what's going on today in the corridors of power inside our government, inside the business world. You know, every dimension of our society has been utterly corrupted. And this corruption, you know, the, the wages of sin is death. And, and this corruption, this corruptive force of death and sin has affected almost all of us. And, you know, that's what I wanted to just share on tonight. You know, you asked me, well, what should we call the show? And, and, um, what came to me was the matters of the heart. Amen. You know, Benjamin, you know, the, the, yeah, go ahead. we have, uh, a listener all the way from Vancouver, British Columbia. And, uh, he's asking, is what we're seeing right now, is that possibly the, um, is it a strong delusion that the Word of God talks about? God would send it? Absolutely. It's part of it. Yeah. You know, you, you may remember, uh, Shannon, how um, back in the, the late 70s, the Lord had me go to what was a, you know, a large church that had witnessed powerful moves of the Holy Spirit. And I went to one of the youth concerts and a Christian rock band was playing. And as soon as the music started, I saw 2,000 devils fly up out of the stage with my eyes. Whoa. And they filled the congregation and they were flying in a big circular pattern. Thousands and thousands of evil spirits. And I could see them. You know, I spent literally the prior three days in the Holy of Holies with the Lord, with three other people in the most amazing time of my life and and as the Lord sent us forth back to the church and and I got home and the Lord told me I want you to go to this concert tonight and when I went there and I saw these devils come in the worship and it was false worship it was another fire it was false fire it was a worship that was of the flesh and of rebellion and of sin. And it came in the name of Jesus. And, and the scriptures tell us, you know, don't marvel. You know, why are you surprised? Satan himself can appear as an angel of light, and so do his ministers. And they came within the church, and the church could not discern the true from the false. Why? Why was the church unable to discern? The difference between the true and the counterfeit because of the matters of the heart. The people had already fallen from their first love. They had already fallen from the purity of heart that is required if you are going to walk with the Lord. The scripture says that this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You know, if all we're doing is an outward form of worship, an outward form of 
preaching, an outward form of religion, but in our heart is the matters of sin and compromise, then we are the modern-day Pharisees. And the Pharisees on the outside looked pretty religious. They were pretty good. In many ways, they were better people than, than a lot of Christians today because they kept the letter of the law. But in the heart, they were full of wickedness. They had not been converted in the heart. They were only converted in their intellect. They had a religious doctrine, and yet they were full of pride, and they were full of all manners of evil. And the Lord referred to them as sons of Satan. He said, you're the children of the father, of your father, the devil. That's right. And it all pertained to the matters of the heart. You know, the heart is deceitfully wicked. Scripture tells us that our hearts are deceitful. Our heart is going to hide its evil, even from ourselves. We don't just deceive our neighbors and our friends with our sin. We deceive our own self. It is deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Apart from the discerning work, the searching work of the Holy Spirit, you're actually unable to know what's in your heart. But it matters what's in our hearts. And, you know, I, as I was praying about this show, I, um, the Lord just started putting stuff on my heart. And, and I, I pray that the, by the Holy Spirit, the Lord would bring these things back into my remembrance so I could share them with you. Because I had some powerful stuff to say. Praise God. I had some really, had some really powerful things to say. You know, we, it's all good to, to know the times that we're in. And the Lord's raised up many watchmen. And it's, it's good to be able to understand all prophecy and to know the lateness of the hour. And it's good to prepare. You know, it's good to hear the sound of the trumpet and respond. But the number one thing that we've got to get right is our heart relationship with the Lord. And that is one where it is easy to be wrong. It is easy to make a mistake. Matter of fact, Shannon, I, I would submit to you that it's the most natural thing to do, to be deceived in the heart. It is the nature of man that his heart is deceitful and wicked, and he's unable to discern even his true motives. You know, had I approached the leadership of that church after that demonic Christian concert, or had I went and talked to that Christian band that played demonic, satanic music in a church, I dare say they would not have received my report. And I had no direction at all from the Lord to say anything to the leadership of the church or to the musicians that were carrying the false fire. It never even occurred to me to say a word. Are you and at liberty reason, to, to say who you saw there? Was it Striper by chance or Milan Lefebvre? I, you know, no, it was none of those. But okay. I'm sure, you know, they're all in the same category. And... You know, it's false worship. It's, it's just worldly, demonic, sensuous, rebellious, 
prideful worship. And it's not the worship of the Lord, it's the worship of the beast. And, you know, when ancient Israel fell into the worship of Baal, Baal is an Arabic, actually an Aramaic word, which means Lord. They were in their minds still serving the Lord. But they had incorporated the paganism of the cultures around them into their lives it had contaminated their hearts and they were no longer walking with the Lord with a perfect heart and as a result they quickly strayed entirely to where they were no longer walking with the Lord at all and that is what's going on I mean, well, absolutely. I mean, terrifying thing. That's the delusion. That is part of the strong delusion. Is the church left the Lord and doesn't know it? And th- that delusion will ultimately culminate in the total deception of the planet. And you know, you may find this hard to believe, but there will be large numbers of people who profess today to be Christians who even understand the fact that we're in the last days, who will ultimately follow the beast. Absolutely. They'll be deceived Absolutely. by it. Yes, they will. Absolutely. They're not prepared. They're not Multitudes. Prepared. Pardon? They're not prepared for what's coming. Well, it's, you know, it's, yeah, I guess that's a word that you could use. They're not prepared, but it's beyond that. They're, they no longer walk with the Lord. They've got a form of godliness, but they do not have a relationship with the Lord. They're walking in the imagination of their own mind. And, you know, they imagine that they're walking with the Lord. They imagine that, you know, they're prepared. And, and they're not. They're not well, at you all. Know, the- the the God they serve, or the the concept of Christianity that they hold to, um, I wouldn't even be able to identify with. It was like, uh, you know, I was in a Christian bookstore the other day. Let me do a mic test. Can you hear me okay, Benjamin? Yeah, I hear you good. Okay, so I was in a Christian bookstore, and uh, I was just, you know, waiting on a, a Bible to be imprinted. I had a, a surprise visit. My son, who I am not have not seen in a while, came into town and... Uh, I've had him here with me for a week uh, over the summer vacation. It was a real miracle of God got open for me. So I told my son, I said, I'm going to take you over and get you a King James Bible. I want to get you uh, the true word of God that hasn't been corrupted. <laughs> and uh, I want to get your name imprinted on it. So I take him in there. We bought the Bible, and, you know, for five bucks, they would put his name and letter, you know, gold letter stamp. So they said, you know, give us about 30 minutes. So we walked out next door to the Best Buy and looked around and then came back over and there was just a lot of traffic. I mean, this place was packed out. It was a Christian bookstore here in town. And, um, you know, I'm just um, trying to kill some time. I'm looking on some of the shelves and I'm just hearing the conversations that are going on. And, you know, you know, you hear people cracking jokes and, and I'm thinking, uh, you know, it's almost like, um, People get involved in church because it's a social club. You know, they want to belong somewhere. And um, 
they look at it from that standpoint. They think that, well, church is just all about, you know, showing up every week, maybe being part of some of the social functions. You know, let's sing some praise music, but they're they're superficial at best. There's no uh, there's no soberness to them. And I'm, I'm not I don't want to misjudge people, but um, you know, I, I sat there and I said something's wrong here. You know, there's like no anointing. Um, there's no fear of God. Okay, so then I jumped on uh, Facebook, and I went over to some of the mainstream pages. Uh, by the way, I got, I managed to get booted off of Paula White and TBN's uh, Facebook page this week. <laughs> they banned me. <laughs> uh, I did have Joel Osteen and Ken Copeland on. You know, they had banned me, and now, uh, now TBN took me out. So I guess they didn't like some of my comments, like, uh, Benjamin, how is it that in the last year, We've had more prophets and prophetesses come about than maybe we've had in the last 2,000 years. Why is it that every couple, the man's an apostle, the wife is a prophetess? You know, I said, uh, we better be very careful before we put that, you know, on our business card. <laughs> I want to see some signs that follow, you know. And, uh, you know, I went over just to kind of see what's going on, take some pulps out there, some on the walls. I went over to Rob Bell, you know, the guy who made Time Magazine. Um... You know, you got people that really don't believe God's going to send anyone to hell. They say, you know, the King James is corrupted. You know, we've got new new technology now, better text, and, you know, it, it's all a matter of interpretation. So you've got thousands upon thousands of people that are buying into this lie that, you know, love wins, and no one will go to hell in the end. God will work it all out. Okay, then I go to another board, and I won't mention his name, but... uh I learned a new word. I learned the word preterist. You may have some more background on what that really means, but what I found out about it so far, they really believe that Revelation's already been fulfilled and, you know, Jesus right. isn't really coming back. Uh, we're just here to, uh, you know, build the new kingdom or something like that. And I'm thinking, what hogwash is this? You know, we've got some people that don't believe in hell. You know, we've got others that think, uh, you know, Christianity is just, you know, it's it's all fun and, you know, there's there's no spiritual preparation required. There's no attacking the enemy, you know. And then you've got these groups that say, well, Revelation's real, but that's just for those left behind. You know, we won't go through and suffer any persecution for Christ. And I'm like, uh, this is a mad, 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 mad world like the old movie by the same title. I said, what's going on here? The world has lost their mind. Is there not anybody awake? And then I remember the movie The Matrix, and it's like everybody, you know, you have a chance to take the blue pill and stay asleep or take the red pill and wake up. And I played a clip from that, and, I mean, that's really kind of true to life. It's like, is, is there anybody knows what time it is? You know, people are dying out there. People are committing suicide because they have no hope. They're taking psychotropic drugs and being bound up, and, um, you know, that's just the tip of the iceberg. It's like, does anybody uh, have any concept of what true Christianity is? what we've been called to do, um, what God expects of us. Is there any fear of the Lord anymore? Let me give it back to you. So that's just come up some of my matters of the heart. <laughs> well, I think that's right. I mean, the, the people have wandered so far away that they've got the, a form of Christianity mixed in with um, Anthony Robbins. Yeah. You know, power of positive thinking. You know, where it's your best life now, and 
and it's all positive. You know, Benjamin, you know, I was in, raised in the infomercial business. You know a little bit about my background. I think some of the people do, and that's what we did. We bought time for these guys. Fran Tarkin and Brad Richdale. I think we even sold some time to Tony Robbins one time. I was doing it in the 90s. My point is, is even 700 Club, I turned it over, and I said, man, wait a minute, am I watching an infomercial? This is like they just took the script off one of the guys we used to sell time to that would you know, tell you how to start a business from your kitchen table. Creating wealth in 30 days, you know, 30 days right. to financial freedom, titles like that. Uh, and I'm thinking, right. it's like it's all turned into infomercials. You know, so-and-so sent in $100, and they were given a new job, and they just give one testimony after the next. I'm saying, what's, what's the whole place is mad. What's going on? It's like a, a big motivational network, like you said. Well, they yeah. Well, what you've got is the, the false, the, the falsehood has come in and turned the gospel of Jesus into a business. They're yeah. merchandising the truth and merchandising the people, and the people lacking discernment because their hearts are hardened are buying it. They don't have the discernment to see, you know, this is not the Lord. And they don't know the scriptures either. We were told to study the word, but most people didn't pay attention. And they read the word casually, if at all. They don't carefully study it. And for the most part, the church isn't praying. They're not studying the scripture. And their hearts have become hardened. And in the hardening of their hearts, their eyes have become dim, and now they're blind, and their ears have become deaf, and they no longer hear. And in that sad state of affairs, they are groping around looking for spiritual truth, and they run into the, the merchants of Baal. They run into the church from Shinar, which is merchandising the people, selling them poison. And they've traded their birthright in the kingdom for a bowl of cheap pottage, cheap imitation. Oh man. And it's because, it's because in the hearts of many, the love has grown cold, Brother Shannon. Let me just read, um, I'm going to share a couple paragraphs from the book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand. Amen. And, uh, this is from the, the 11th chapter, which was entitled, First There Shall Come an apostasy. Far from me are the hearts of the many who claim to be mine. Their iniquity is greater than their love for me. Many have departed from me. Though they still speak my name with their lips, yet their hearts are now far from me. There are many religious, but not many righteous. Many imagine they will live with me for eternity. And they imagine they abide in me even now. I say they imagine in their hearts, but they do not abide in me. They only delude themselves, for they cannot see. Their iniquity and their pride has blinded their eyes, and they cannot see. They cannot hear. They imagine I no longer speak to my chosen ones, for they cannot hear. They follow the imagination of their own heart to destruction. And under the shadow of death, they run into hell. They cannot see where they are going, for they go their own way and they run to folly. 
They think they are wise, and how great shall their fall be. What they seek and look for, they seek in another. They do not seek me. I tell you the truth. The time is close at hand when man shall be no more. And on that day only my righteous ones shall stand. The hour of testing which I have prepared is close at hand. A time as never before is about to break out upon the earth. This is the hour when I separate the precious from the vile. I will soon pour out my judgments upon the whole earth, and I will show forth my power. No man will be able to stand in that day, but I will save my holy remnant by my power. When the waves of judgment roll in, many lives will be washed away with the tide. Those religious and who only know my name shall all be swept away. Yet the righteous who know me shall all be purified in the fire. I will soon release the flood of my judgment, and the mass multitude of those religious shall perish. Helpless and hopeless, they shall perish. The time of the Gentiles is soon over, and then my angels will come and seal my holy ones. The devastation which is coming shall cover the whole earth, and only those who abide in me will be spared. My true people, whom I call Israel, shall all be saved, each and every one of them who I rule over. I speak to those who are my own. It is now time to get ready. Draw closer to me than ever before. For the day is coming and no man can stop it. The time is short. I tell you, the time is indeed short. The time is now to repent and touch not the unclean thing. The time is close at hand when I will take vengeance upon all of my enemies. The mountains and the hills will come down and only my holy mountain shall remain. There is little time left to prepare, for the time of preparation is almost over. For the time is far spent. Yes, I say the night is far spent, and my indignation is coming very soon. I say it is come. It is here. Be quiet and be still. Listen to me when I speak to you. I say listen, for the time is at hand. And I tell all of my people, go to my holy mountain, and I will meet you there. Do not fear what is coming. Fear only me, for the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And by wisdom is the house built upon a sure foundation. And if anyone builds without me, I will cast that house down. The liars have taught my people lies and hypocrisy. These deceivers have waxed worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. They preach another gospel for those who do not love my truth. Each of them who follow the imagination of their own hearts, shall be turned over to a strong delusion, and they shall believe in the lie. But I, the Lord, will raise up holy shepherds who will teach my people the truth. I say unto the liars who have lied to my people, I will bring you down from your throne. You thought you would reign forever, but I say I am the living God, and I shall bring you down. And I will separate you from among my people. And this separation is final. Wait and see the recompense of the wicked. Wait and see what will come of all of the proud and of all the liars and of those who walk in disobedience while claiming they know my name. They know me not. They only know my name. The devils know my name and they tremble. Soon the wicked shall all tremble as well. To my holy remnant I say, learn to live in me now. Learn to walk in me now. Learn to train your thoughts to be led by my spirit. Learn to stay close to me. Learn to refresh your souls 
and drink in the living water. Walk in the water and let me fill you to overflowing. Come into your prayer closets and learn to stay close to me now. Learn to hear my voice. Learn to watch and pray. Learn to fast and pray so that your lamps may be full with my holy oil. Do not listen to men. I speak to my chosen ones who are faithful and true. Separate yourself from the filthiness which now covers the earth and walk before me in holiness and humility and I will walk with you and I will do mighty works through you. For my light is about to be revealed in you and it will hurt their eyes. My light will make them angry and upset for my light is bright. My light will irritate all who do not walk with me. The whole world shall go into confusion but I will lead you forth into an ark of safety. I have chosen a pure people, a humble people, a people who will be mine alone, and I will protect my holy remnant in the day of my anger. But destruction awaits all of the wicked. Amen. That's powerful. It's real. It's true. And what's going to separate us from the wicked are the matters of our heart, Brother Shannon. It's the matters of our heart. You know, recently the Lord was impressing upon me that there's one central character or the characteristic of a heart that is deceived, and that is pride. Pride is an abomination unto the Lord. If you search out the scriptures, the Lord lists things that are an abomination to him. And, you know, the word abomination is toeva, and it means disgusting, morally disgusting, and abhorrence, idolatry, something that is abominable and hideous to the Lord. This is beyond just sin. This is something that is outrageous in the eyes of God. And pride is one of the six abominations that the Lord lists. He talks about pride lying, deception, hands that shed innocent blood, killing innocent blood, shedding innocent blood and pride are both on the same list together. A heart that devises wicked imaginations, wicked thoughts, having evil thoughts, feet that are swift in running to mischief or doing evil, false witnesses that speak lies, and those that sow discord among the brethren the slanderer, the gossip, the backbiter. Pride and slander are on the same list as murdering innocent children. Isn't that intense? Wow. And all of the sons of pride are sons of Satan. The Lord says, I will look unto the humble and him who is of a contrite heart. And the Lord was impressing upon me, Shannon, that it is through pride. Pride is like the strong man of Satan's deception arsenal against you. It is through pride that you cannot see your own sin. It is through pride that you will not hear the word of correction from the Lord because you already know. It's through pride that you take and give the spirit of offense somebody says a word to you, you know, that offends you, pride is what causes you to become bitter and break relationships. 
to, you know, stir up every evil work. It all comes through pride, Shannon. And pride is an absolute deception. The Lord looks upon the meek and the lowly in heart, but the sons of pride walk in the deception. So the number one thing we need to search out and prayerfully pray out of our lives is that spirit of pride and rebellion because it contaminates our heart. It hardens our heart because once our heart becomes lifted up in pride, which was the very first sin that brought Lucifer down to hell, pride was found in him, and it corrupted his whole nature. Lucifer was absolutely perfect. He was the worship leader in heaven. He was the most magnificent of the created beings. And one day pride was found with him, within him. And Shannon, pride was like a cancer. It corrupted and turned his entire nature into evil. You know, pride makes us into Pharisees. Pride makes us into hard-hearted people who are open to deception. We can't see our own sin, and we can't see the false doctrines and the lying spirits in the people around us either. And we also can't see the snares and the traps of the enemy, because pride has blinded us. Pride brings blindness. Sin will blind you, Shannon. And the most powerful sin of all is the sin of pride. And yet, that's our culture. I'm proud to be an American. Go back and read the early writings of the Christians that, that founded our nation. They were not proud to be an American. They were humbled to be a Christian. They humbled themselves and they cried out for mercy and for the help of heaven. There was no pride in what was the root of this country and its beginnings. They were a humble people that were seeking God's favor and that knew they were totally dependent on the Lord. I mean, look at the the, the songs from that era, the battle hymn of the Republic. My eyes have seen the pride of the great American dream. No, my eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. The whole focus was on the Lord. But this country's been turned completely upside down. The truth has been thrown in the street, and the lie and the idolatry has been lifted up and sold to the people as our heritage. And the number one thing sold to the American people is pride. Oh, most proud. The scripture describes us as a nation most proud. We're number one, Shannon. Right? Isn't that the attitude? Oh, yeah. America's Uh, number one. Uh, is this, would this, uh, describe America? Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked? Uh, aren't we seeing the emperor with no clothes? And he thought he was fully dressed, but naked? Well, pride yeah. comes before a fall. You know, once you've been overcome by pride, Shannon, the only thing left to do You have to learn through the fall. You you now must be judged. Because pride actually hardens the heart. And it, it will, it turns you over to every other false work. You know, 
when you're proud, you will judge in a condemning judgment your neighbors. You know, a couple years back, uh, I was at a solemn assembly, group of people. We'd been fasting, praying all weekend. And at the end of the day, I went back to my hotel room. I walk in and the Lord says, turn on the television. And I thought, wow. Normally the Lord would say, turn off the television. You know, that's a good general rule spot to turn off the television. But the Lord said, turn on the television. So I did. And the, the news had the pictures from that nightclub that burned back in Boston. Right. With that band White Snake. Uh, oh, no, it was, uh, it was, uh, wait a minute. It well, was uh, Great White. Okay, yeah. Once bitten, anyway. twice shy. That's right. What, yeah. What, what happened was the nightclub had started on fire and the people had panicked and they had literally fallen into a huge pile. Oh, yeah. And you could see people lying one on top of another, Shannon. From the floor to the top of the door, it was all heads and arms sticking out of this burning building. But they were so trampled together that the rescuers, the fire department that was there, they could not pull people out of that pile. They were just in a big tangled up mess. And there must have been like 50 people lying on top of each other in the doorway. And they showed the people their their heads and their arms were in the cold evening air and their feet and their legs and their bodies were in the burning building. And they could not move. God have mercy. And I'm watching this scene in utter amazement, and the Lord said to me, this is a picture of my people who, having laid stumbling blocks one before another, have all fallen to the ground. I'm just amazed. And Shannon and I learned later that the people in that pile all died that night. They exploded in flames. And they burned to death in that pile. And they never were rescued. And the Lord said, this is a picture of my people having laid stumbling blocks before each other such that they've all fallen to the ground. You know, in our pride, we judge our neighbor. We argue. We're harsh. The scripture tells us we're supposed to come with the love and the mercy of God. And we come, instead of with the living water and with the living bread and with healing hands and with the love of Jesus Christ, instead, oftentimes what you've got is pride and a harshness. And I know. And it creates division. And that spirit of pride, it is so fast to take offense, Shannon. You say one wrong word one misunderstanding, one moment of hurt feelings and the harshest judgments come down and fellowships break, relationships break, families break and in those hurtful moments, stumbling blocks are cast before the people. We're casting stumbling blocks before each other. We throw a stumbling block in the path of our brother and then we judge him when he falls 
And then when the truth be known, we're going to find out we were the ones that put the stone in his path. And the scripture says, if you see your brother in a fault, you that are spiritual, go and restore such a one. Boy, you don't, you don't see that today. You don't see a whole lot of people who, when they see a brother stumbling in a sin area, humbly go and restore such one. No, they cast you out. They slander you. They come against you. They judge you. And so we all judge each other. In all kinds of crazy divisions, right, Shannon? That's right. Well, I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray in the name of Jesus. Well, I, I like to pray in Hebrew. Oh, let's all hate each other. Oh, yeah. Well, Satan would love that, wouldn't he? How dare you use the name of Jesus? Don't you know that's... Uh, right. You know, that whole spirit of Antichrist over... Yeah, you, I mean, Satan is in there getting people to argue over what language we should pray in. And people get outraged with each other over which language or which culture has the best, most effective prayer or worship. God isn't testing our vocabulary. He's not giving us a grammar test. He's testing our heart. And in the matters of the heart, many of us are failing, Shannon. You know, we, we fell in Adam. And in that fall, and that was a great fall, we actually inherited in our DNA, in our spiritual DNA, this sin nature, which manifests itself in us through the knowledge of good and evil. And our sin operates in our mind through the knowledge of good and evil. And it contaminates our heart with all forms of evil. It turns us proud, because in our knowledge of good and evil, we know we're right. They're not right, but I'm right. And we become even more proud, because we know we're right. The other six billion people, no, they're not right. We're the one person that's got it. Right, Shannon? Right. Haven't you met haven't you run across that? Oh, absolutely. How stand up and say, I don't have it. Please pray for me. No, everybody's convinced they're right. Because their knowledge of good and evil tells them so. That's part of the deception of our hearts. We actually think, you know, you ask the average person, you know, well, what do you think about, um, you know, the Bible and Jesus? And, oh, I'm a Christian. And, well, what do you think about heaven and hell? Oh, I'm, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm basically a good person. They've judged themselves through their knowledge of good and evil. And in their deception, they've denied their evil. And in their pride, they've persuaded themselves and deceived themselves. This nation has deceived itself in its pride. It sees not its sin it knows not that it is right now being held in the balances and it's been found wanting and its judgment is now about to come forth. But we in the remnant that the Lord is calling to come out of Babylon and to come into the holy place, we've got to lay the pride down. And we've got to deal honestly in the matters of the heart, Shannon. 
Amen. We've got to diligently seek the Lord to, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that He would search our hearts and reveal unto us the matters that are in our heart that we need to deal with at the cross so that we could be sanctified. Because these defilements that are in us, that are the gateways for the demons to exercise power, push the buttons in our life, keep us in bondage to thought patterns and behavioral patterns that are sinful patterns, they all operate through these deceptions that we've allowed to enter into our hearts. And ultimately, deliverance is restoring the heart to purity. You know, Jesus told us, the stuff outside your body is not going to defile you. It's only that which proceeds out of your heart. You know, if you read in the scripture, the Lord talks about the sins that come from the heart, the, the really deadly sins. They all proceed from inside a man. The, the things you can put in your body don't make a list. It's the stuff that comes out of your heart. And yet the heart is deceitfully wicked. So, so how can we know it, Shannon? Well, one of the ways our heart gets uncovered is in the furnace of affliction. God turns the heat up to show us what's inside of us. You know, First Peter chapter four, verse one. The apostle writes, for as much as Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind, the mind that will embrace suffering in the flesh. For he that suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And that word for suffer, patho, means passion, feeling, to suffer or to be vexed. Part of the matters of the heart only come out when we've been through that furnace of affliction. That's why God chose us in the furnace of affliction, so he could bring that stuff out of us and bring us into his kingdom through the the process of being born again, in which the old heart, that hard heart full of pride and self-deception is put away in a new heart of flesh is given unto us. And part of that process, Brother Shannon, is that we have to arm ourselves with the same mind that Jesus had when he willingly endured suffering and the death of his flesh for the will and the purposes of the kingdom. And You know, the most effective way, Shannon, you can pursue or prosecute the suffering in your flesh in accordance with the will of God is through fasting and prayer. And fasting is definitely a degree of suffering in your flesh. It's not a big one. It's really a little one. You know, you've got to repent of uh, gluttony. You know, you got to cast that out of your life. And yeah, there's a little bit of discomfort and a little bit of hunger and a little bit of suffering in the flesh. But it's, you know, it's a mild fire of affliction. It's a mild, it's the furnace of affliction turned on low when you're fasting in prayer. Amen. You know, we're told we're supposed to live according to God through the Spirit. And 
we're not to walk in the ways of the flesh. And, you know, we are, you know, Peter goes on in First Peter chapter 4, verse 19, and he says, Let those that suffer according to the will of God. What? Yeah. When you suffer according to the will of God, when you are in the furnace of affliction, and the Lord is turning the heat up, or you are volunteering to go into the furnace of affliction through sanctification of your time through prayer and fasting, and you're putting the flesh into that furnace, you're now suffering according to the will of God, obeying God's commandments to fast and pray, you're to commit the keeping of your soul to God in well-doing. The Lord told us how to pray when he gave us what is known as the Our Father, the prayer that he prayed as an example for the disciples. Yes. And and he prayed, he said, pray in the following manner, Our Father who art in heaven, holy, holy, holy be thy name. Your kingdom come and your will be done in earth and in our lives as it is in heaven. Give us the, this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. Now, the heart that's blinded by pride, Shannon, it's going to deny that it even has unforgiveness. Right. Oh, I forgave them. But every time I see him, I get angry. Every time I think about it, I'm still upset. But in, intellectually, I have forgiven. Because pride will blind us to what's inside of us. We have to forgive them from our hearts. Not an intellectual forgiveness in our mind. And unforgiveness is about as powerful a deceiving and destructive force in our lives as pride. These are our worst enemies, saints. Pride and an unforgiving spirit are the most dangerous adversaries you face. And the word for forgive, when Jesus said that we will be forgiven as we forgive others, the word is afiami, and it means to forgive, to forsake, to lay aside, to let it go, to leave it behind, to omit it, take it off the list, put it away, yield it up, to let it go. Let go of it. They said a hurtful word, a thoughtless word, it hurt your feelings, it offended you. Let it go. Forgive them. Set it aside. Forsake it. Forget it. Forgive it. As we forgive others, so we will be forgiven. The Lord goes on in Matthew, this is chapter 6, I'm reading from, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In order to be delivered from evil, we've got to be delivered from pride. And we've got to be delivered from the power of unforgiveness. Because if we are not delivered from pride, we will not see the unforgiveness in us. And if we are not delivered from unforgiveness, we will not be forgiven. That's right. Jesus goes on in Matthew six fourteen. He says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. 
But if you will not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. And that word for trespasses, Shannon, it's paraptomapa, and it means to slip, to lapse, uh, an unintentional error or a willful transgression, a fall, a fault, an offense, a sin, a trespass. You know, and I, I was really thinking about this. You know, the Lord tells us we have to forgive. And, you know, I've seen in my own life, I've seen in, in the lives of other people, how quickly one incident, one word misspoken can break apart relationships. People that were friends, you know, people that had... A, fellowship in the Lord, one thoughtless word and people are, you know, an offense is given, an offense is taken and and relationships are broken. And people struggle with forgiving because somebody said one thing, they did one thing that that offended and the other party now can't forgive. And I, I think about how many times, Shannon, have you or I done something or said something that offended the Lord? How many times? Do you have any idea how many times? Man, I'm sure I have many times. (laughs) I can't count that high. (laughs) The scripture says the most righteous man offends seven times a day. Wow. That's the righteous. And we all know that we, we walked for seasons in our life when we were not even close to righteous. But, you know, you think about how many times we've offended the Lord. And how many times you go to the Lord, Lord, please forgive me, you know. It's like, we're on on like time number two million, right, Shannon? Yeah. So we've asked God to forgive us like millions of times, right? And then somebody that we know does something to us one time. Once. Okay, maybe twice. Poof. How am I going to forgive that? And yet we we hope that the Lord will forgive us for the millionth sin that we've committed. And I'm not exaggerating. I really think the sins in our lives are in, in that magnitude over the course of an entire life. God have mercy. It's true. Thoughtless things. You know, half of them we probably didn't even know we were doing, Shannon. But we're looking to the Lord to forgive us. You know, we we desperately need the Lord to forgive us. If he doesn't forgive us, Shannon, what hope is there? The Lord doesn't forgive you, folks. We're toast. We're toast, yeah. We we are doomed. If he does not forgive us and and grant us mercy and restore us the right relationship with him, we are doomed. We are doomed. It's the only hope we have is in Jesus. And the Lord is telling us, if you don't forgive the men and the people that that offended you and trespassed you, then neither will your Father forgive you the trespasses you've committed. And so, you know, one of the key parts of the matters of our heart is we have got to deal with the issue of unforgiveness. And you know what, friends? Listen, that spirit of pride will deceive you. Oh, I'm not proud. I'm really proud that I'm not proud. 
I'm proud that I'm one of the humblest people in the whole church. I mean, that's how twisted it is. People are, they'll boast about how humble they are. You know, which is, well, you understand. That's how deceptive pride is. It's true. You don't deny that it even exists while it's dominating the whole time. And at the same time, unforgiveness will hide. You know, well, I can forgive them, but I've got to take a stand for righteousness. I've got to stand by my convictions, you know. We'll, we'll destroy their good name, we'll murder their reputation, and we'll, and we'll hide it all behind. Well, I, I just wanted you to know you need to pray for them, brother. Right? In our own self-deception, we, we hide the true motives of our heart in seemingly righteous garments. Right, Shannon? That's right. But the bottom line is, pride is an abomination, and if we don't learn to forgive, and I mean from the heart, not in the head, then we are not forgiven. And this is hard, because some of us really have been abused. Some of us have been deeply wounded. It's a lot more than just a thoughtless word or an inconsiderate act. There's been serious hurt handed out. And you've got to pray this through in your life. You know, sometimes these areas of unforgiveness, Shannon, they become demonic strongholds. Yes. The spirit of bitterness will grab hold. And in order to release that bondage, this time will only come out through prayer and fasting. You've right. got to fast and pray to break through some of this unforgiveness stuff. You've got to fast and pray to break through some of this these pride strongholds to get your heart ready to receive the healing and the salvation of the Lord. You know, the Lord mentions the word heart in the Scripture the first time in the book of Genesis, chapter 6, in verse 5, when he says, And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You know, and the word for heart in the Hebrew is labed, it means the heart, the feelings, the deepest feelings within you, the will, even the understanding, the very center of the man, the center of your life, your attention, your affections, that which you set your love upon that's your heart our hearts must be made right you know our ability to enter into the presence of the Lord in prayer our ability to walk in the spirit of the Lord throughout our day our ability to stand in the coming time of testing is 100% dependent on the condition of our hearts we got to get our hearts right. And, you know, the love of many, the hearts of many have grown cold in this hour. we got to break the fallow ground. You know, the scripture talks about breaking up the hard ground in your heart. You yes. know, in, a, in our modern world, we don't know what that means because we aren't farming the land. Most of us have not been out there dealing with the hard soil. And to understand the amount of work that's required. Have you broken any actual ground lately, Shannon? We've gone out and had to, had to, you know, 
use the instruments to break the hardened ground in the natural? Have you done any of that work lately? No, but I'll tell you the truth. Uh, when I uh, got out of high school, I graduated about 17, and uh, you know it was the summertime. And instead of going right to college, I said, you know, I think I'll take off a year. <laughs> Worst mistake ever made. And all of a sudden, I find myself thrust into the job world. And I said, okay, no college degree, just got my high school diploma. What am I going to qualify for? Well, lo and behold, I end up taking a job as a a uh, construction day worker. I didn't even know how to swing a hammer. And uh, would you believe they sent me out to uh, dig a silt fence. And, and folks, uh, hardest job I've ever done. I lasted like a day. <laughs> I mean, I was sitting here trying to uh, take a shovel and and you know dig some trenches, and the ground was so hard, man. I said, "How are you supposed to do this?" It, it sure helps uh, if it's water, doesn't it? But when you're hitting that old tough soil, oh man, yes, it's you like the hardest thing you could ever water. do. <laughs> yeah, you know. We've been, in this modern world, we've been separated from the earth that we were created to walk upon and live live within. And so a lot of these analogies of Scripture, we don't have real experience of what it means. You know, I'm doing some micro-farming now, and I'm, I'm, I've got a garden and orchards wow. and, and all of that, and, and so I am working the land, and I understand the meaning of the curse, and by the sweat of your brow you will bring forth bread. And i I got to tell you, I faced some hard ground recently, and it is not easy to break up that hardened ground. What happens if uh, your land has some old tree stumps in it? you got to pull them out, too. Uh, There's a tremendous uh, amount of... And you know, the other thing is you got to pull out the weeds. And the... And the weeds come back, you know. The enemy sows more of them the next day. So you've got to be consistently breaking up the hardened soil and pulling out the weeds. And it's not a lackadaisical endeavor. It's a serious endeavor. But we've got to break up the hard hearts. We've got to break the ground. We've got to get those unforgiveness issues resolved. And it is not intellectual. We've got to pray them through in our hearts to where you poured them out. And, you know, Shannon, I've had a lot of persecution um, for the message that I brought. Oh, yeah. You know, you know a lot of it because you were there with me. You know, and some of what was done was pretty vicious. I mean, false accusations that were outrageous. You know, vicious accusations. and You know, and, and there were times... There was a time when I was pretty angry. Some of the accusations were... Well, no, these weren't from people of the world. These were people that called themselves Christians, some of the most vicious people. You know, Christians are the only ones that they say shoot yeah. the wounded. They do. And, uh, and, you know, here is a man, folks, that received a vision of the future. And it's not something that you, you want to see, I'll tell you. Uh, but Benjamin saw it. God told him to write about it. It's uh, entailed in the book, The Day of the Lord is at Hand. If you haven't gotten this book, I think there may be some still some copies available. But powerful word. And, um, you know, brother, it wasn't a joy to bring this word out, but you had to obey the Lord. And No, it only cost me everything. But, man. you know, 
it, it was it was hard. I mean, I really struggled um, on some forgiveness issues, you know, on some of what went on. And I'm not going to get into it on the program tonight, but you know what I'm talking about. People were vicious. They were very vicious. Yeah. And, you know, Satan doesn't need the truth. You know? he, the lie works fine for him. And, you know, when you get really viciously um, hurt, you get angry. You get hurt. It, there's pain. Boy, that stuff can fester in you. It festered in me. You know, and I, I tried to pray through it, you know, I, and I tried to forgive, and, you know, I thought I made progress. But, brothers and sisters, the point I'm trying to make, I don't think I got to real breakthrough on this unforgiveness issue until I went into sort of a disciplined time of fasting and prayer. And in that place of fasting and prayer, that allowed the broke, the hard parts of my heart to be broken open, and I could pray this stuff out of me so that I could forgive and release that. And, I mean, I think it's one of the most pressing needs in this hour. You know, in Psalm um, 7, verse 10, we're told, my defense is of God, who saves the upright in heart. Yes. So the Lord is going to save the upright in heart, those that are walking in righteousness and holiness and in purity. But he does not save the proud in heart. They go into the fire to get purified of that abomination. And he, he doesn't save the people who have got hard hearts and that are walking in blindness and rebellion after the lust of the flesh, thinking they're serving the Lord, they go into the furnace to be purified and refined. And in Psalm 10, verse 1, the scripture says, Why do you stand far off, O Lord? And why do you hide yourself in time of trouble? That is exactly what's happening today. We are in a time of trouble, and the Lord is standing far off from many people. I know, because I, I've talked to thousands, and I hear again and again, I can't hear the Lord like I used to. I'm not getting clear direction from heaven. The heavens are silent now. God is standing far off. Why? The heavens are brass. Your prayers go up and they bounce off. The wicked, verse 2, the wicked in his pride, see, pride is the spirit, it's the central spirit of wickedness. And the wicked operate in pride. And to the extent pride's operating in us, we got sin and compromise. That's right. Pride is an abomination. There is nothing holy about pride, brothers and sisters. The Lord calls us to be humble. He humbled himself. And as the king of the universe and the creator who owns all of us, we're his property. If anyone had the right to come in pride, it was Jesus. And he says, I'm humble, I'm lowly, and I'm meek. Learn from me. Those are his ways, and the sons of pride are walking in the ways of the adversary. And that pride thing is contaminated. It's touched all of us to varying degrees. we got to get this out of our lives because... The Lord is standing far off waiting for his church to repent from the heart. The wicked in his pride persecutes the poor. 
Let them be taken in the devices they have imagined. For the wicked boasts of his heart's desire. And he blesses the covetous, whom the Lord abhors. As another matter of the heart that is an absolute abomination to the Lord, coveting that which another has. And in our lust, we covet. Walking in the Spirit, we are content with the peace and the presence of the Lord. Because it's the Lord that is the prize. It's the Lord who is the great reward, not the junk of Babylon that some of us have more of than the other, or the things of this world that we covet in the flesh. But the wicked boast of his heart's desire. He boasts of the things that he has achieved that are the desires of his flesh. They're the sources of his pride. His knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, folks. Love edifies. Knowledge does not edify. Have you met Christians that had great knowledge, but they were harsh, critical, uncaring? They don't edify anybody. They're running around throwing stumbling blocks in front of everyone that they run into of rejection and criticalness and harshness, all the while puffed up in their knowledge of Scripture, thinking they've got it because of their knowledge of good and evil, and they have no love. What does the Scripture say to us about if I do all things but have not love? What do I have? Nothing. If I prophesy everything but have no love, I am a vain symbol making worthless noise. If I give my body as a martyr but have not love, it was vanity of vanities. But knowledge puffs up, pride deceives. In our own knowledge of good and evil, we pick and choose what we want to believe, and we can perceive ourselves as doing the work of the Lord when in fact we're sowing seeds of of division among God's people. We're sowing rocks of offense. We're throwing stones of stumbling and rocks of offense in the path of everyone we meet. Then, you know, Shannon, if you met those believers that were so full of the love of God and they didn't try to do anything other than bless you, yes. and you came away from spending time with those people and you felt in, you felt enriched and, and strengthened in the spirit. You felt encouraged. Yes. In the faith. You know, you felt new joy and, and, and new power in the spirit. And all they did was love you and bless you in Jesus' name. Humble. And they folks. didn't try to correct you. They didn't try to argue with you about what, you know, language you should be worshiping God in. They didn't have any divisive doctrines. They had the love of God. In yes. every life they touch, the life of Jesus Christ is transferred. And grace and mercy go before them because their hearts are pure. They're pouring out of their heart the abundance of what's in them. But not the proud. No, they're full of unforgiveness and criticism and judgment. In the letter of the law, Shannon, we all know the letter uh, kills, doesn't it? Yeah, when I take the letter of God's word and I use my human brain that is darkened in its understanding, corrupted by 
the sin of Adam, which manifested as the knowledge, my knowledge of good and evil, I am going to kill somebody with that. It's a dangerous weapon. The spirit gives life. You know, it's a two-edged sword. It can kill people yes. if you use it wrong. And so our knowledge of good and evil, our pride, our critical judgmental attitudes, the hardness of our heart, you know, we, we are actually doing damage thinking we're doing right. The wicked through the pride of his countenance, Psalm 10, verse 4, will not seek after God is not in his thoughts. That's what the Lord was sharing with me just recently, Shannon, is that pride is what keeps people from repenting. They won't acknowledge their sin. They don't want to admit they're wrong. They don't want to acknowledge the utter wickedness that lies within each one of us apart from the work of salvation of God. We have utterly fallen. The scripture says there's no good thing that dwells in you or me apart from the work of Jesus Christ. Even that which we try to do as good, if we do it through our knowledge of good and evil, through the fallen carnal mind of the flesh, we will even turn that into evil. We may not recognize it, but I can assure you, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. And yet we're proud. And in the pride of our countenance, in the pride that's on our face, it hardens our heart and we do not truly seek the Lord. Oh, we might seek a religious system in our mind that we can then use to rationalize our position as better than those people because our doctrines are true. And I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like that publican. I'm, he's a sinner. I tithe out of everything. You know, that was the mindset of the Pharisee. He had the knowledge of good and evil. And in his mind, blinded by his pride, he was righteous. And that sinner over there that was repenting, he was thanking God he wasn't like that sinner who was repenting. How blind is that, brother? He was on the road to hell, thanking God he was not like that saint being saved by amazing grace. All the while, assured in his mind that he was better than that other man. You know, the scripture tells us in Psalm 12 that we can speak vanity and a time is coming when the majority of the people will speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor, and with flattering lips, and with a double heart. You know, our heart can be double-minded. We can have mixture in our heart. And oh, as you said, we are unstable in all our ways, if that be our condition. You know, the Lord tells us in Matthew that we are to take his yoke upon us and to learn of him and he says in Matthew eleven twenty nine, for I am meek and lowly in heart and you shall find rest unto your souls Jesus Christ is not proud he is meek Jesus Christ is not lifted up in his knowledge of good and evil 
he is lowly in his heart. He has taken the position of humility as God, as king and creator. He has chosen meekness and humility as his way among his people. And he says, take my yoke, this burden of meekness and humility, which is the opposite of pride, the opposite of the knowledge of good and evil. The meek don't walk around thinking they know everything. But a lot of Christians, you know, if you ask them, they'll tell you they know everything. Just talk to them for a few minutes. You'll figure it out. They are not meek. They are not lowly. And they do not have the yoke of Jesus Christ. They got somebody else's yoke. And you better be careful because they might hit you in the head with it. Or they might throw it in your path and you will stumble over it. But Jesus says, I'm meek and lowly in heart and you'll find rest. You know, there's no rest under the wicked. And these sin areas that we've allowed in our lives, either through deception or ignorance or, or willful rebellion, whatever, however, these sin areas, they've stolen our peace. You know, the, these ways of the wicked are, are full of anxiety and woe. And there's no rest and there's no peace. The way of the wicked is hard. It's a struggle constantly. But the yoke and the way of the Lord, who surrenders, he submits his heart to the will of the Father. He takes the lower place as a servant. He does not exalt himself or his knowledge. He doesn't even walk in the knowledge of good and evil. He's walking in the Holy Spirit. See, friends, the knowledge of good and evil is the whole deception because we don't know you think you know Paul says if any man says he knows he does not know as he should have known that's what the scripture tells you you think you know you don't know as you should have known I can guarantee you that is true because in my own life the Lord has done this to me more than one time where he has opened my eyes to something I thought I thoroughly understood. A relationship issue, an issue in my past, where I thought I thoroughly comprehended what happened. And God opened my eyes, and I realized I knew nothing. That which I knew, I didn't know as I should have known. And it's happened in my life enough times that I now realize I don't know. Unless the Lord reveals it unto me, I don't see everything. Unless the Holy Spirit grants me discernment, I don't understand everything. I don't see fully into anything apart from the leading and the guidance from the Lord. And so... I'm not competent to judge you. And so I, I'm stopping. Now, if the Lord gives me discernment, I will act on my discernment. But I'm not going to go beyond and assume my knowledge of good and evil is somehow going to bring me into a revelation. It's not. The Lord wants us walking by the Holy Spirit, not by the knowledge of good and evil. 
and in walking in the Spirit, you will find rest. And in walking in, and in forsaking the knowledge of good and evil, Shannon, is the highest ideal of our mind. And, and instead learning to rest and walk in the Holy Spirit, instead of the carnal mind, which operates in that knowledge of good and evil, we can find peace for our souls. And we can rest even in the storm when it appears the boat is sinking and everyone else is panicking that we're perishing. We could be sleeping like Jesus and resting in the hand of the Father. We've got to learn. I don't know if I'm presenting this clearly and if what I'm trying to share is getting... Man, this is right on. But we've got to change the way we are walking. We have got to leave... Babylon, and we've got to put down the ways of Babylon. You know, surely our fathers inherited lies, and surely they have taught lies unto us, and we've got to renounce and reject the lies of our forefathers, because they walked in this carnal way, and they knew no other way. But in this last hour, the Lord is opening the door for the people to come back and begin to walk in the Spirit. And we got to turn away from the mind of the flesh, this knowledge of good and evil. Because i got to tell you something, brothers and sisters. The knowledge of good and evil operating in a carnal man's mind has never blessed anyone with life. It's never brought salvation. It's never brought a healing. It's never brought deliverance. It never brought the anointing. It never broke the yoke of the enemy. It never saved a sinner. It didn't reach out and bring hope or love or faith to anyone. Our knowledge of good and evil is a discouragement to the people around us. If it's not operating, if we're not operating in the Holy Spirit and in love, we are actually alienating and stumbling the people around us, and we don't even know it. And the Lord warned us that if we stumble, even one of the littlest ones that believe in Him, we will surely give an account. And so we need to walk circumspectly. You know, we are so presumptuous. We're like bulls in a china shop at times. And we need to be humble and meek and lowly in our hearts. You know, because it's the things that are proceeding out of our hearts that can defile us. You know, the apostles, when they saw the Lord feed the 5,000, and then he did it again, they didn't understand. The scripture says they considered it not, they understood it not. They understood not the miracle of the loaves, for their hearts were hardened. Their hearts were hard. They couldn't understand what was right before their eyes. They could not perceive into spiritual things, because the hardened heart can only see into the natural. It's blind to the spirit realities of what is happening. And in Mark chapter 7, the Lord spoke, and he said unto them, Truly has Elijah, or Isaiah, pardon me, prophesied of you, hypocrites. 
as it was written, this people honors me with their lips, but with their heart is far from me. Their hearts are far from him. They honor God with their lips, and they serve God in their head through their knowledge of good and evil. And some of them are Mormons, thinking that's the revelation, and they can prove it to you with their knowledge of good and evil. And others are into various other forms of, of cult deception. And others are, are walking in false spirits, or they're teaching doctrines of demons, or they're walking under false anointings, or they're walking in total rebellion, and through the knowledge of good and evil in their heads, they are walking right into hell. There will be the many on that day who say, Lord, Lord, we honored you with our lips. And Jesus will say, but you never knew me in your heart. And I never knew you. Our knowledge of good and evil is bankrupt. It is altogether worthless. It is a filthy rag. Operating independent of the leading of the Holy Spirit is, it is dangerous. You can, it'll lead you straight into destruction. You know, the matters of the heart continue in, in Mark 11. The Lord says, Truly I say to you, whoever shall say to this mountain, Be removed and cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe the things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he says. It's not belief in the mind. It is not an intellectual faith that is going to save you. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your strength, not with your mind. The many who are perishing, they're serving a God they believe, a God they've created through their knowledge of good and evil. They're serving Him through their mind doing what's right in their own eyes. Just like in the days of Noah, when everyone followed the imagination of their own heart. Shannon, I have I've heard this firsthand, where I've I've heard people professing the faith and I've heard them say, I don't feel led to pray for you. I don't feel led to fast. I don't feel led to feed the poor. I don't feel led to clothe the naked. I don't feel led to minister to the homeless. I don't feel led to visit the prisons. I don't feel led to obey the Lord because I'm oh, following my, my own mind in the imagination of my heart, doing what seems right to me through the knowledge of good and evil, and I am following my flesh. My carnal mind is my God, and my belly do I serve. And I do what's right in my own eyes. And in my knowledge of good and evil, I have judged correctly. And I've judged me righteous. And you wrong, brother. And they point the finger, Shannon. And they're full of anger and woe. And woe unto them because they're clouds without water. Blown by the east wind. And these are the Pharisees of our generation. And in their minds, they are convinced they have the truth, and you are the heretic. But they are not walking in love, and they're not walking in peace, and they have no forgiveness, and they're full of pride. And they, many of them call, claim that they're of the remnant, Shannon. 
because they figured out that the you know the judgments here. Well, that's good. You know, okay, so you're you know you're at least aware. But you know what, Shannon? I got an amazing revelation for you. Right on me. We're asleep. God help us. You're you're sleeping right now. I'm sleeping. Our listeners are sleeping. The whole church is asleep. Our spirit man is slumbering. You know, the ten virgins, they all fell asleep. Five of them were wise, and they took the steps necessary to have the oil, the anointing. Five were foolish. They thought they could do it through the knowledge of good and evil. They thought they could figure it out. They had pride. They trusted in their own understanding. They trusted in their own mind, in the belief system of their mind. But, Shannon, all the virgins fell asleep. And when you're sleeping, you don't see. Your eyes are actually closed. And you don't hear very well either. And we are all asleep spiritually. Some of us are waking up. Others are still fast asleep. But the bridegroom's about to come. You know, much of the church can't even hear the truth. And, and even, even among those, Shannon, who know the lateness of the hour, you know, because you can figure this out. I mean, if, you know, you're willing to examine the information, it's obvious what's happening. You know, even the, the axis of the earth is now wobbling and, you know, they're observing it in the Arctic Circle. The sun is now higher than it used to be. I mean, the whole system is ready to, you know, fall apart and the judgment of God's about to begin. But, you know, so people have figured it out, you know, if you listen long enough. And they presume that because they know that the judgment's about to hit, that they therefore are automatically in the remnant, Shannon. Listen, it's not the knowledge of the day of the Lord that, that is the issue here. It's the matters of the heart that God is going to judge in the lives of his people. It's not your knowledge of good and evil. And you want to know why? God is not impressed with your knowledge of good and evil. He is not impressed at all. You got that from the fall. That is the attribute of sin in you, operating through pride and through a mind independent of the mind of Christ, and it is doing no good at all. You could do nothing through your knowledge of good and evil that is of any value to the kingdom of God. You must be led by the Spirit. You must be walking in the Spirit. And if all you're walking in is the knowledge of good and evil, and you, you know, figured out the judgment is about to begin, and you therefore presume you're in the remnant, I'll tell you something. You are sleeping and you are dreaming. And when you wake up, it's going to be a very rude awakening. Shannon, for some, they're going to find out not only were they not in the remnant, they're going to find out they were not even in the elect. Whoa. Because the Lord's going to say, I never knew you. He said, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, the word in, in the Greek for many is polis. It means the vast majority, Shannon. It's more like 99%, not 51%. That, you know, that should bring us, that should wake us up a little bit. What well, doesn't it say? The straight is the gate, narrow is the way, and few be that enter therein? Now, to our listeners, if, if that, 
If the words of Jesus trouble you, that's good. Thank the Lord that his Holy Spirit is pricking your heart. Because I'll tell you, the goats presume that they are sheep. And because they believe they're sheep through their own knowledge of good and evil, they've already studied it in their head. Their hearts have not been converted. But in their head, they've adopted the teachings of the gospel as their own personal religion. And by the way, they're the magician in their little religious circus. And in their mind, they've decided they're a sheep. They don't have any doubt at all because they have all the confidence in the world in their knowledge of good and evil. They're sure their judgment is true. But the sheep, they're very timid. They typically can easily become afraid that they might be a goat. So if the words of the Lord prick your heart and you fear, Lord, where will I stand on that day? That is a good sign. Respond to it by seeking the Lord diligently in prayer and, and in discipline. Seek Him in prayer and in the Word and in fasting to make your election and your salvation sure is what the Scripture tells us. But we are required to love the Lord our God with all of our heart. Not in our mind, but in the issues of our heart. You know, in the the sower went out and he sowed the seed and only some of it went on the good ground. And the good ground are those who have an honest and a good heart, who heard the word of truth and kept it. They wouldn't trade it. And they brought forth fruit with patience. It's a long process. It doesn't happen overnight. And the word for an honest heart, Shannon, is kalos, and it means beautiful. The, he, the Greek word translates to beautiful, good, valuable, honest, virtuous, worthy. And those who are the good ground, they have a beautiful heart. This is the Lord describing his elect. They have a beautiful heart. They've got a valuable virtuous heart. They're worthy. Their heart is worthy of his salvation because they are willing to repent, which means to turn and to be changed. They are crying out for a new heart. They're crying out for God to search their soul. They're crying out for the spirit of repentance to come upon them. They're crying out day and night for the deliverance from sin and from iniquity. They're seeking the kingdom and they're seeking his righteousness. They hunger and thirst for it. But the wicked are not so. In their knowledge of good and evil, they presume they already have what it takes. And they run straight into hell. For your heart will be where your treasure is. And see, in the elect, the Lord becomes their treasure. Winning his love winning his friendship. And, you know, some may object to my choice of words because we're saved by grace. Yes, I understand that. But, you know, the Lord, he requires you to seek him. And he will hide himself for a time from his people. And he wants you to find him. He wants to see how how badly do you really want to hear from him? 
how serious are you about having a relationship with him? How desperately do you want to be his friend? How far are you willing to go to find Jesus? And he's looking for you. He says, when you seek me with your whole heart, then you'll find me. He's hiding himself until we seek him with everything. And if we've got a double heart, you're not going to find him. He's not going to be dishonored like that. The only way you will find the Lord is when you seek him with your whole heart. Half measures avail you nothing. In the Gospel of John, chapter 12, we read, you know, the saying of Elijah the prophet was fulfilled when he spoke, Lord, who believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And therefore they could not believe because, as Elijah said, he blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts that they could not see, nor could they understand and be converted that I should heal them. And that word for hardened, Shannon, is it's a poro pono. It's almost like pornography, really. It's close to it, but... It's a type of stone. It means to petrify, to render stupid or callous or hardened. Their hearts have been rendered stupid because they can't respond. They're responding in their head with some weird religious system they cook up using their twisted knowledge of good and evil, which is missing the mark by a mile, presuming they're right and everyone else is wrong. And in their pride, they're now blinded, they're stupid, they cannot see, they cannot understand, and they are not converted. They're walking in hypocrisy and religiosity, and therefore they are not healed. And one of the signature marks of this, these pitiful people is they do not forgive, and they do not forget. And they are sons of pride. And generally, they know a lot. They're well-versed in Scripture, and they'll tell you so. And they respond in pride and anger if you disagree with them at all. They're blinded. The word is tuflo, and it means to be obscured, to be blinded. The true message of the Scripture, which is the salvation of your heart, has been completely obscured from them. They see everything through the knowledge of good and evil. They see nothing through their heart. And it doesn't even touch them. When the Lord says, if you don't forgive, you're not going to be forgiven, they think that's an intellectual exercise. They cannot perceive that it's of the heart. They miss the point completely. And um, in John 14, the Lord says, Peace I, live with, I leave with you. My peace I give unto you not as the world gives. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You know, when our hearts have repented, when we're seeking the Lord with a heart that is willing to break the fallow ground, willing to go to any effort, Shannon, no matter the cost, we are going to seek the Lord. We must find Jesus. It doesn't matter what it costs. It 
does not matter. We have to pay whatever price is required. You'll find out as the Lord works his salvation in you that ultimately the price is everything. You have to lose your life to find him. You have to pick up a cross. That whole self-nature, which is the carnal man, which is the carnal mind, along with that knowledge of good and evil that did nothing but create pride in those that are perishing, that old nature has to be crucified. And, and you got to kill it because it's going to kill you if you don't. And it's actually trying to kill you. That old nature, Shannon, is trying to dominate you and me. And if we let it, if we give it ground, brother, <laughs> you know, I know, our listeners know what happens. If you give any ground to the flesh, it gets worse. You have got to resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You can't be signing any covenants with death. You cannot make a peace treaty with the enemy. You must mortify the lust of the flesh. You cannot give up any ground, or you will be overrun. But those who've been willing to seek the Lord with all their hearts, the Lord gives them his peace, which the world cannot receive. And he tells them, do not let your hearts be troubled. Rest in him. Trust in him. Believe in him. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. But God is dealing with the matters of the heart. He's calling us to deal with the matters of the heart. And these are the issues that matter in the kingdom. It's not about having the knowledge of good and evil properly articulated in your mind and your intellect. It's about reaching out with the love of Jesus Christ from your heart and touching the people around you and bringing them the grace and the mercy and the salvation of our God. And it can only come out of a pure heart. And so we got to search our hearts. we got to ask the Lord to search our hearts. And if we find pride, we've got to repent of it. Father, we repent of pride. We renounce pride, Father. Search us, Lord. Show us what's within us, Lord. Lead us in prayer and fasting. Lead us in the study of your word that your ream of word could come upon us and search us and know us. Lord, that if there be any unclean way within us, that we would repent, that we could be cleaned. It's not the knowledge of good and evil. We are not going to get there through our knowledge of good and evil in judging each other. Our hearts are deceitfully wicked. We are unable to properly judge ourselves because we can hide our sin. And if we can't judge ourselves, how could we possibly judge our neighbor? You know, the Lord didn't tell us to judge each other. He said, I give you a new commandment. He didn't say, I want you to judge each other. He said, love one another. And it's as if we forgot that commandment. 
but seeing the knowledge of good and evil, Shannon, we can't love each other. My carnal mind operating in the knowledge of good and evil, getting all puffed up with knowledge and filled up with pride, it's not going to love anybody. It's it's a, a cruel, harsh, loveless, carnal nature that lusts instead of loves, and it fears instead of trusts, and it needs to be crucified. We got to put that old nature off. We got to recognize that it died with Christ, and when it rears its ugly head, we need to tell it to shut up, to get back in the grave. And brothers and sisters, I know I've probably harped on, you know, I've really reiterated time and again because it's important that you understand for each of us there are likely issues in these matters of the heart that are only going to be overcome by this decision to fast and pray now I didn't come up with this idea of fasting and praying Okay, I got it from the Bible and the Lord is the one that said to do it. And he didn't suggest that we think about fasting and praying. If you search the scriptures, he commanded it. It is his direct commandment to you. If you are not fasting and praying, you are in disobedience to the Lord. To the express written scriptures, you are willfully or ignorantly disobeying at your own cost I would remind you you will pay the price for missing the Lord on this one and it's a very expensive price fasting and prayer is not optional it's mandatory if you want to move forward with God now if you want to be part of what he's about to do we've got to clean up the heart we've got to break down these strongholds we got to enter into that latter-day reign. And we've got to do our part. We've got to pick up the cross. We have to embrace the cross of Jesus Christ in our own flesh. You know, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, For as much as Christ suffered for you, how much did Jesus suffer for us? That much. Arm yourself likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Do you want to overcome sin and the world and the devil? Or do you want to stay in the flesh and in the carnal mind, wrestling with the knowledge of good and evil, attempting to be religious? The choice is ours. We have to decide who we're going to serve. The will of God to be led by the Spirit or the lust of the flesh to be led by our own mind doing what is right in our eyes. Brothers and sisters, the time has, is already at hand for us to forsake the ways of the flesh and to follow diligently the direction of the Lord. This fasting and prayer is so powerful because that is how you break that fallow ground. That's how you get to the matters of the heart, the deep issues. Because 
you may not even be aware of issues in your heart. There is a process where we repress trauma. It's called disassociation, where in, in severe cases, you can actually fragment the soul. And there's a part of your soul that's so deeply buried, so wounded, so hurt, that you're not consciously aware of what happened to you. You're not consciously aware of the wounds you still carry inside. And in those wounds, there can be strongholds. There's ground that the enemy owns. Those areas must be brought to the cross. They must be brought to the Lord. The sin issues have to be repented of and released and prayed out of your life. And your heart and your soul must be restored. And the Lord will heal you when you seek Him with all your heart. And in the time of fasting and prayer, God's going to do the surgery. You're going to carry a little cross of fasting and prayer, and God's going to do some reconstructive surgery on your heart. And He's going to cut it a little, and He's going to pull out some roots of bitterness. And He's going to put in place seeds of righteousness. And those who are of His remnant that He's calling in this hour bear witness in the Spirit that this is what God's calling them to do. So I would encourage all of our listeners, pray, ask the Lord what He would have you to do regarding the matters of the heart. Because they are the matters. They are what matter in the kingdom of God. Amen. Man, powerful word tonight, Benjamin. <sighs> it's late, brother. You know, the country's collapsing this fall. we got a few months, guys. The days of these are ending soon. you got four months, you know, maybe five, maybe three. And then the whole financial system's going to collapse. The dollar will crash. You know, Greece will default. The European banks will begin collapsing. Ireland will collapse. And next thing you know, the U.S. financial system will collapse. And suddenly there won't be food in the stores. There'll be riots in the cities. And the next thing you know, there are going to be troops in the street. And they may end up on your front door. And then the hour of testing will begin. And, and we got to get ready, brothers and sisters. And we don't need more preparations in the natural. I mean, and I'm, I've been a watchman for 14 years and, and it is like the time of Noah and, and Noah prepared. But all the preparation in the flesh is vanity if you have not prepared in the spirit and you have not prepared your heart. You have wasted your time if you're not preparing in the heart. And there's not much time left. And, you know, that's not a prophecy. That's just reality, folks. And the day will declare that my word to you today was true. You've got a very short window of time to prepare your hearts. I would encourage everybody, you know, gather together in solemn assemblies. Start by praying and asking the Lord, how to, to get invited to a solemn assembly, what the Lord would have you to do. 
pray and say, Lord, I want to go. I, I don't know where to go. I don't know who. I don't know anything. Pray and ask the Lord to, to arrange it for you. And if people begin to pray and ask God for the his will on how to attend solemn assemblies as we are instructed in the prophecies of Joel, the Lord will order it and arrange it for you. And you'll be able to get together with other believers, like-minded, who are seeking the Lord. And you can spend several days fasting. You know, solemn assemblies mean fasting and prayer, and they mean gathering together and repenting your sins. And, you know, the model for what to do in a solemn assembly is in the book of Joel. And I would suggest read it, study it carefully, and use it as an outline of how to approach the Lord. And, you know, it's it's a absolute admonition in this hour I would take it extremely serious extremely serious praise uh, God yeah, Amen. We're, here. we're here Shannon you know hallelujah the day of the Lord's about to begin and and um, <laughs> yeah the Lord I, is I about to uh, I laugh sometimes you got to have a little bit of humor um you know, I uh, I've been preparing for the end for like 15 years, and um, several years ago I said, you know, I'm going to do everything I can in the flesh to prepare to save my skin. You know, right? And I'm dealing with some of that now. Um, I thought it was over, you know, a long time ago, and um, I come back to the states and had to go through some storage units, Benjamin. And, you know, I had to um, endure the, the price of a, a monthly storage unit, month after month, turned into two years. And I finally said, I'm insane. You know, I've already paid for the value of some of these things I've been storing, you know, two, three, four times over. I've got to get the stuff out of storage, and I've got to go through it and figure out what's going on. So uh, I finally mustered up the strength, got my cousin, we got a U-Haul a couple months ago, and... Um, I had six storage units. I shut down four, uh, four of them, loaded everything up, and I brought it over this little small space that I'm renting, and it, now the place looks like Sanford and Son. <laughs> I just, we just tried to get the stuff off the truck as fast as we could, you know, without, you know, without getting a hernia. And we were moving things, and I, I had no idea what I had stored up in the flesh. And uh, I just got sitting looking at it, and I said, man, I, I've got to go through this stuff. I can barely walk to the door. It was terrible. <laughs> and so my son pops into town, and he says, Dad, can I earn some money? And I said, well, yeah, I guess you, I can pay you if you want to help me uh, give me a hand. I need you to hold the plastic bag while I throw things away. <laughs> <laughs> and, brother, we have filled up two dumpsters full of stuff. I kid you not. I was afraid that the uh, the garbage man would come by because we I, I've got a little commercial uh, dumpster behind this uh, office where I stay, and uh, I was afraid that they weren't going to be able to pick it up. It was going to break the hydraulic arm, and I kid you not, we go through one bin after the next. Uh, I've thrown away more canned goods than I can imagine. Now, I, I I know that they can last a while. I've got stuff that has been expired for two years. You know, I had uh, more canned. It's probably well, still good. Some of it's pretty good. I I gave you know I gave a lot of tuna fish to my my uncle. I had like a thousand cans of tuna fish at one time, and my uncle calls me up a few days ago and he says, "Can I still eat this tuna? It's dated 2008." And I said, "Well, 
you know, if I had no food right now, I would probably be eating it, but it might just be suitable for a cat right now. <laughs> I mean, you know, some of it does have a shelf life, so, you know, he said, what do I do? Oh, that's great. This is a fiddle fish, so, listen, I've thrown away canned goods, uh, then I, I, I got into this uh, bucket last night, it was like 1.30 in the morning, buddy called me up and says, what are you doing? I said, well, we're, I'm trying to sort through this stuff, find out what's good and what's bad. And I've got oil that had expired and oil leaking on the bottom of buckets. And I found this brand-new flashlight that I bought several years ago. Unfortunately, it was made in China. It's one of these rechargeable types, and I plugged it in and charged it for 20 hours, and it, you know, the battery died years ago, apparently. doesn't even work. And, you know, I'm just kind of trying to paint the picture of, you know, things are crumbling around me, and I'm saying, what... What what am I doing? You know, right. So now I'm my, laughing with you, brother. I'm, because I'm thinking, that's what we've done. We've have all mercy. prepared in the flesh, and it's like we're like Solomon. You know, I built houses, you know, planted vineyards, orchards, ponds, and, and it's vanity of vanities. Benjamin, it's not a dream of a while park. back. Shannon was with a bunch of other believers in this dream. And everybody had prepared, right, for the day of the Lord. And they all had different stuff. You had a thousand cans of tuna fish. You know, they all had their their own ideas, right? And then the day of the Lord finally happened. And instantly, every preparation, Shannon, was utterly worthless. <laughs> yes. Because it had all been done by the flesh. You know, and I'm not against preparing, and I have prepared... As, you know, perhaps more than most. And so it's kind of funny, though. I, I, I am sort of laughing at this. I'm reading in Ecclesiastes, Shannon. Matter of fact, I'm reading this for you. This is hilarious. Um, the let me see if I can find Ecclesiastes. I mean, it becomes such a, a heavy burden, Benjamin. You know, I just feel like crying. Well, it's vanity what we've done because. Um, let, let me see here. Ecclesiastes, you know. Uh, you you get to the point where the only answer becomes lighten the load. Well, and you well, it's only the, what the only you don't... answer becomes learn the, learn to walk in the spirit. Yeah. Again, I, I'm reading this. I'm reading this the other day, and um, you know, um, I'm reading Ecclesiastes two, and. Solomon writes, I enlarged my works. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards. I made gardens and orchards. I planted all kinds of fruit trees. I made ponds of water from which to irrigate the forests of growing trees. I had servants and you know herds. I collected for myself silver and gold and treasure. And I became great and increased. And it was all vanity and striving after the wind. And Shannon, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, I built houses, I planted vineyards, I made gardens, I did, I did uh, trees and fruit trees and berries, and then I put in ponds. And wait a minute, I did exactly what Solomon did, <laughs> and only on a, like a really little scale, right? And I'm thinking, oh my word. And I considered all of what I've done, and it's vanity and striving after the wind. 
and there's no profit in it at all. You know, if we're not walking in the spirit in what's about to happen, you might as well just, you know, put yourself in the dumpster when you're done throwing away your purpose. <laughs> Dude, I might go out there because and crawl in it right now. you're not going to make it five minutes. I mean, if we are not walking in the Lord and we're not protected by Him, we aren't going to last five minutes. You won't even have the time to eat the thousand cans of tuna fish. <laughs> Who's kidding who? I mean, it really comes down to we got to get our hearts right with God. You know, if, if you are called by the Lord to prepare, and, and then prepare. And by all means, it's wisdom. I am not speaking against being a Joseph and storing food before famine. I think it's wisdom. You know, but what I'm saying is if you are not being directed by the Lord, what you are doing could be utter vanity. You know, you prepare yeah. everything in one place, and then the Lord says, okay, let's move. Oh, and you're not taking anything with you. So everything you just did is, it's, maybe it's for the kingdom and for somebody else, but it's not for you. Or maybe it's just for vanity. It's just going to spoil in a storage unit and expire and leak and the batteries will die and the oil will leak and and it was all vanity. I have a funny feeling that's that's going to be the, the case for the majority of us who prepared in the flesh without the direction of the Spirit, doing what was right in our eyes, because we, we had no other ideas. I was, uh, myself, I was motivated by uh, by fear, and I had no peace and joy. I Actually, a spirit entered into me, and uh, that's all I thought about 24 hours a day, how I can save my own skin. And it became a uh, it became an obsession, became a burden. And again, I'm not here to say well, you don't make preparations, but all my preparation was in the flesh. And I re- I've come to realize, trust not in the arm of the flesh. The flesh can fail you, it can spoil on you, you can get separated from it. People can uh, kill you uh, for what you did prepare, and they didn't. Um, preparing in the flesh, folks, and leaning on their own flesh in this hour is not going to save you. It's foolish. I mean, I'm laughing because I did it too. And, you know, and at the same time, we were doing what we thought was was the right thing by the Spirit, and we prayed about it, and, you know, and God had a purpose. And I don't think, you know, we completely missed the Lord, at least I'd like to hope not. Brother, I'm but, looking at a thousand rolls of toilet paper right now, I kid you not. <laughs> As God is I have friends that did the same thing. They right bought a twenty-year supply of Shannon. They bought a twenty-year supply of bathroom uh, stuff, you know, toothpaste and toothbrush and soaps and toiletries. They got a storage container full of toiletries. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how ridiculous! It's just that's the mind that we've used. And, folks, that's the knowledge of good and evil at work. It's just equally worthless when you try to build relationships, you try to share the life of the kingdom. You can do nothing apart from him that's of any significance. Because, you know, in this day of the Lord that's about to begin, Shannon, you don't know what God's going to ask you to do until he tells you. That's you right. don't know that he's not going to have you up and move at the last minute and, you know. So if you weren't, if you're not being led by the Spirit in what you're doing, then you're following Solomon's example. I just, 
you know, literally read Ecclesiastes, you know, this maybe a week or two ago, and I realized that Solomon recited everything there in in uh, chapter two, where he talked about all the stuff that he did. I thought, not only did I do everything Solomon did, I did it in exactly that order. You know, I built houses. You know, I built a refuge. I built, I, I literally did it all. I did it in exactly the same order Solomon did it. And um, <laughs> I may just up and leave. <laughs> and, you know, I don't really care. I, I mean, I can laugh at it because it doesn't matter. Um, you know, our silver or our gold cannot deliver us in the day of the Lord. And if you don't have any silver or gold, don't even let that bother you because this is strictly going to occur in the Spirit. Our salvation and our deliverance is totally by the Spirit, and it's totally a matter of the heart. It has nothing to do with how much silver or gold we have or do not have. It doesn't matter if you've got a thousand, you know, cans of tuna fish or you've got a year's supply of toilet paper. I mean, either you are being led by the Spirit and the Lord will deliver you because you have consecrated your life unto Him, or you're going to get purified in the fire. But you know, Shannon, the scripture is very clear. If you seek to save your life, yes, you're going to lose it. That's right. And if you're willing to lose your life for Jesus Christ and for the kingdom's sake, that person will save his life. So everybody's going to lose their life. You know, you can just don't worry about that one. That's guaranteed, people. You either lose your life for the kingdom, or you're going to lose your head in the flesh. And there's no exceptions. So in terms of trying to save your life, don't worry about that. You can forget about that. You are not going to do that. It's not possible. You can't save your life. Don't even try. But what you can do is lose your life for Jesus' sake. Pick up your cross. Deny yourself. Start fasting and praying. And ask the Lord to search your heart. And then... Be violent in your heart against these sin issues. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent will take it by force. You violently wage spiritual warfare. You do violent repentance before the Lord. Be open. Be brutally open and honest. And in these solemn assemblies, folks, the whole purpose is to get together and repent and confess your sins one to another, not one to the whole church, not one to a large prayer group, but small, one, two, three people where you can be brutally honest because you're only as sick as your secrets. And Satan only has you deceived as far as you've got sins you haven't confessed. And it's not safe to go and confess your sins to the larger church. They can't handle your sin. They can't handle their own sin. That's why in their knowledge of good and evil, they've denied their sin. And they've hidden it, and they've covered it with a bunch of religious junk. They put a bumper sticker over it or something. They don't want to hear about your sin. They don't want to see their sin. So you confess your sins one to another. You get a small group of people who are sincerely seeking the Lord. You come together in a time everyone fasting, in preparation before you even get there. Everybody should be fasting. You spend a weekend or a few days together 
in fasting and prayer. We, every time I've been to a solemn assembly, we've always had kind of a group meeting the first night, prayer, worship, uh, maybe some teaching in scripture, some words of encouragement, and then we separated men from women. The women went, and together they prayed. The men separated, together they prayed. Because you need to do some serious prayer and repentance work that's just not going to be practical or convenient in mixed company. Yes. Men need to repent to men. The women need to repent with the women. And then we always, every time we'd come back together, um, the last day, the whole group, the men and the women, um, and we'd have a communion service, we'd have a time of praise and, and worship and entering into the Spirit. And every time I've been to a solemn assembly, and I've attended three of them, everyone that went said, this is the most powerful time of my life. Because people went to effort and to cost and expense, and they fasted and they prayed, and they did what they could to seek the Lord. And you know, when God's people humble themselves and pray, and they fast and they afflict themselves, and they sanctify themselves, they separate themselves to seek the Lord, He hears from heaven, and heaven answers. And so if what you need is answers from God, then you need to be fasting and praying and getting together in solemn assemblies. Or you could do what Shannon did, and you could buy a container full of stuff. Pardon me for laughing, but maybe it's going to end up in the trash. Or you could do what Benjamin did, and you could go build a whole Solomon thing and throw that away too. So, you know, don't do like we did. Do like the Lord said, is what I would recommend. <laughs> so don't feel bad, Shannon. You're just throwing away some tuna fish. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm not worried, and I'm not the least bit concerned. And, you know, we're going to suffer in the day of the Lord, but we're not going to go through it alone. And, and um yeah, there's going to be some hard times, but God's going to use it to purify us. And, you know, folks, we've got to get our eyes on the bigger picture. Our king is coming. The kingdom is coming. We've got a little time left to, to do something for the Lord. He did so much for us. Now it's time for us to ask, you know, Lord, what can we do for you? And the, and the first thing you can do for the Lord is sanctify a fast and sanctify your temple and clean your vessel and clean your house and make yourself ready for service to the king. And then the Lord may preserve you as an instrument of his mercy and salvation in this day of tribulation that's coming. Or you may be yet purified further in the fire and then he's going to take you to eternal glory. And as the Apostle Paul said, the present suffering that we are about to endure is not worthy to be compared to the glory that is about to be revealed in us when we enter into the kingdom. So Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. We need to lift up our heads because our redemption is drawing nigh. The world has everything to fear. And to the unbeliever, there is no hope. 
other than repentance and salvation in Jesus Christ. But to the saints of the Most High God, we have nothing to fear for what men could do to us. And we should not be in fear. And if you are full of fear about what's coming, you know, pray and, and rebuke that thing. That's not the Spirit of God. The, the Scripture says that the Lord has not given us a spirit of fear. <clears throat> and then the closer we get to Jesus, and the more we learn to walk in the Spirit, and turn away from that carnal mind, which is under the curse of the knowledge of good and evil, the more we can become free from fear. Because fear has torment. And if you're being motivated by fear, you're not being motivated or directed by the Holy Spirit right now. And, you know, you really need to look at that. That's another whole area of the heart that we haven't talked about tonight, which is fear. But, you know, there's a fear of the Lord that is of wisdom. But that's not a fear of terror and and anxiety and stress. That's a holy reverential fear where out of respect and love for the Lord, you're going to honor Him with obedience. And you're going to seek Him first because of who and He is and what the kingdom is. But the fear of the world is is tormenting and and you can't sleep and you're anxious and and there's no peace in it and that's not from the Lord and you should re, you know get rid of that rebuke it repent of it cast it out of your life and get into the presence of the Lord get filled with his spirit and experience his peace in a world that has no peace at, anymore at all Yes, indeed. Brother Shannon. Praise God. I, I, I uh, was blessed tonight by this word, Benjamin. Folks, if you're well, just I'm tuning in. We, yeah, hallelujah. I hope it was a blessing. Um, and I'm glad we got a chance to laugh a little and <laughs> at our own foolishness. <laughs> you know, I'll never for, uh, forget what you told me, Benjamin, many years ago, back uh, probably around 2004. You said there could be a day coming where all that you have will be what you're carrying on your back as you're stepping into a boat somewhere. <laughs> right. And, you know, that may be the best uh, uh, angle to take, folks. You know, if you're, if you're prepared in the spirit, okay, you've got your cup full, you know, you're filled up with oil, uh, you're sold out to Jesus Christ, you may not have much in the flesh, but you've got all you need because God can change your circumstances in a moment. Uh, he can preposition things that you will need to make it in the days ahead. Seek first the kingdom of heaven, all these other things be added unto you. And I just I want to say that as an encouragement to maybe people who don't have uh, much right now. But, you know, you're really focusing on the Lord. You're concentrating on him. You're doing it right. Uh, you know, he can give you what you need. But we certainly better get our spiritual house in order because time is running out. Well, amen. And, you know, if uh, if you've got all that stuff, you know, if you've got the wealth of the world and, the, and all the provisions that you can't even count, the day will come sooner or later when you will be walking away from all of it. And the Lord... The circumstances of your life or the Lord himself will call you to, all right, get up, we're going. 
Oh, leave all that behind. And you will go off with nothing. You know, Jesus sent the apostles out. They didn't have money in their pockets. They went completely by faith. And in the Great Tribulation, it's going to very quickly turn into a world where you can only operate by faith because there won't be any food to buy. Whatever food is left won't be for sale. And even if there was food to buy, you probably don't qualify to buy it because you're not going to have the mark. That's right. So, you know, we are very quickly going to become aliens on this planet walking by faith. And So don't, you know, don't let it trouble you. As the Lord says, you know, let not your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. This is his day. He can handle this. He fed the Israelites in the wilderness for 40 years, and and they were fine. He's going to protect his people in this hour. You know, Shannon, when the Lord showed me the judgment, and I, I, I cried out, you know, Lord, what do we need to do to be saved from this judgment? I was actually screaming after these visions ended. The Lord spoke so calmly, and he said, I will protect that which is mine. And everything else will be destroyed. And so, you know, that's the test, folks, you know. Whatever belongs to Jesus is going to be protected. Everything else will be destroyed. And so, Shannon, I guess, you know, the provisions that were led by the Spirit, that were done according to God's will, have a purpose and will be used by God for the purpose He intended. And the stuff that was done in the flesh that isn't directed by the Spirit it doesn't belong to the Lord, it's going to be thrown in the dumpster. Or stolen or ruined or, you know, whatever. Or of no profit. That's the truth. It'll perish, folks. It's going to perish, yeah. You know, and it's um, it's a sad thing. It's almost like that movie, The Scrooge. You know, you had this wealthy man and he had everything. And he had no friends. And he sat in a you know, big house and um, he realized everything that he had counted as being important didn't matter anything. He had no friends. He had no family. He had no loved ones. Didn't have any fellowship. He was, uh, you know, holed up in his castle and was, you know, sad and lonely. You know, I saw a man um, today. I was out uh, running some errands. I saw this uh, man driving in a, a Rolls Royce. And I looked in there and he looked like, you know, he was uh, had one foot in the grave. I mean, he was an old man. And I just got to thinking for a minute. I said, I I hope that he is saved and ready to meet Jesus. Because maybe he was successful by the world's standards, had everything. But if he didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, what did it, uh, you know, what did it matter? You you enter the world naked, you you leave the world naked. Yeah, it profits you nothing. And I I don't want to, I trust that the the brother uh, knows the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to equate folks' wealth or blessing with, you know, you're on the way to hell. I'm not saying that. Um, but uh, what do you put your trust in, I guess, is the question. The arm of the flesh or the Lord Jesus Christ? It better be the Lord right. Jesus Christ. You know, it can be like that man who said, wow, well done. I've got my barn filled up. I think I need to build a bigger one. You know, he was trusting in the arm of the flesh. Little did he know that night his soul would be required of him and you know, somebody else would enjoy all the fruits of his labors. Yeah, exactly. Um, time is precious. Life is precious. You know, 
the most precious thing we've got is is uh is time. It's like Gene well, uh, Paul Stanley, you know, the lead singer of Kiss. Wealthy by world standard, had all the women that you could ever want. Uh had all the money you could want, had all the nice cars. I mean all the things that the world would equate to success, right? He said, you know, I've got this, I've got that, I've got that and he says, uh well, you know, I bought everything that I wanted to buy, he said. He says the uh the one thing I'll tell you though is uh, I've got time. And he says, I've got time to do whatever I want to do. Um of course the amount of time he's got is short. <laughs> and then his spirit's gonna leave the body. He better know the Lord Jesus Christ is the Savior. But uh here was a man of the world and he said something that uh was, you know, profound. You know uh he he realized that time was the most precious precious um commodity. And all that the wealth that he had accumulated, what it really allowed him to do was have more free time to pursue his hobbies, you know what I'm saying? But to what end? I'm sure he you know, this was twenty years ago, and now he's twenty years older. You know, a lot more wiser, and he realizes, wow, my time is limited now that I've got left in this body. I'm getting old. You know, I was watching uh, Gene Simmons. We're talking about Kiss. You know, he's having uh, he's having a problem. They say he's getting ready to get divorced maybe from his wife. You know, they've been doing this reality show. And uh, he was on this, uh, this uh, major network being interviewed, and someone asked him a very uncomfortable question. And uh, it embarrassed him and caused his wife to get up and walk off of the set. And he's sitting there, and here's an aged man. He's realized he's made all the money, he's gotten all the fame, done everything that you could possibly do in the flesh, and he's about to, you know, lose the love of his life, and he'll be alone. And I realized how sad. You know, all the things that we uh, we think are important, you know, they can... Do they buy us real happiness? And at the end of the day, you realize, wow, it's all vanity. I don't know if I'm articulating it incorrectly tonight. I'm just saying I'm looking at it from different angles out there. And I'm, I'm thinking, you know what? Um, if you got to pump gas, you know, at least you can go home at night. You can, you can, you got a place to sleep. You've got a food to eat. You've got, um, some family and loved ones. And if you know that you died, you would be in heaven. Really, you, you know, you're you're you've got the wealth of the soul. You know what I mean? That's where the real wealth is. Well, I think the the test, Shannon, is whatever we're doing in our lives. If it's of the flesh, if we're doing it through our own knowledge and our own minds and, and the carnal man doing what's right in his eyes. It's just wood, hay, and stubble. It's vanity. Yeah. And it's going to be blown away and shown to be completely worthless. Whereas, if we've learned to walk in the Spirit and we're doing the will of the Father, what we've accomplished will have value through eternity. And... You know, there are rewards to those who do the will of God. But, you know, I always used to wonder, how do these rewards work when we could do nothing 
And everything that we did by the Spirit was actually through the power of God's Spirit. Yeah. Why do we get a reward if it was really God through us who did these things? And then one day it dawned on me, Shannon, all of the rewards that we're going to get, those are the gifts that we bring to heaven to give back to the Lord. Even as the 24 elders threw down their crowns, Yes. Because it's the Lord's glory. You know, the good that we've done was done by Him in us. But in being faithful to walk in His Spirit and being obedient to walk in the will of the Father, we receive rewards that we can give to Jesus. You're not going to show up at the party empty-handed. Come with a gift for the the guest of honor, if you will. Because it, it was all the Lord. He's the one who really gets the reward. We get Him. We get Him as our God and Him as our best friend. And how awesome is that going to be? And in between then and now, we've got this little uh, tribulation. We've got this small affliction. This light affliction is still facing us and 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 we've got a decision do we want to continue in the flesh producing vanity wasting time wasting money wasting what could be valuable fruit for eternity yes. turning it into just the dust and the ashes of wood hay and stubble that's about to be burned do we want to continue in the flesh? No. Or do we want to begin to walk in the Spirit? I think that was what I was trying to articulate. You said it best. Um, it's all vanity, folks. If what you're doing is um, it's not spending time with the Lord Jesus Christ, doing His will, relishing the time that you have, loving people, humbling yourself, because uh, all of our hourglasses are turned upside down, and the sand is going out fast on us all. It is. And you remember the scripture tells us about the man that built with wood, hay, and stubble? Yeah. You know, he responded to the gospel of salvation by responding in the flesh. Yes. And everything he did was wood, hay, and stubble. And then oh, every man. man's work will be tested by fire. And the scripture yes. says that man suffered loss. Jesus. You lose. Not your salvation to be saved. Jesus. You lose. Not your salvation to be saved in the day of the Lord. But he lost everything else. And how sad that is that he could not mix his faith with wisdom, knowledge, and understanding to the point that he could begin to build with gold and silver and the precious things of the kingdom to achieve something of enduring value instead he took the salvation and the gifts of God and then he just set about to fashion his own idea through his own carnal mind of you know what might be important 
He just went off and did his own thing, and it was all for nothing. Oh, God, have mercy. How, uh, that's horrible. Um, and there will be people in the kingdom like that who literally get in with the sm- smell of smoke on their clothes and the empty-handed. I mean, it's one thing to go through this world with nothing. The Lord calls you to go out with nothing but faith. You go with faith. Yes. It's another thing that go into eternity a pauper, having accomplished nothing of eternal value. God put his grace and his mercy and the cross of Jesus Christ in your life to save you, and the fruit that came out of it was vanity of vanities. And all you succeeded in doing was Jesus Christ saved you. And you accomplished nothing. Oh, that's horrible. Because you were stuck in the mind of the flesh. That spirit of pride has so blinded you, you couldn't even see your way out of it to repent. You see, you were stuck in the flesh your entire life, and you died in the flesh. A carnal Christian, immature in the things of the faith, you never grew up. You were always a baby. You were always the little teenager. You never made it to maturity, and you never did anything in the kingdom of any real value. That'll be fairly embarrassing. I don't want to be in that position, Shannon. Brother, I don't I don't want to be that way. Um you know what April. else, Shannon? Shannon, the Lord deserves more from us. Yes. Not unto us. Not that we would have some reward or that we could be in all these important people because look, we're not. You know, there's nothing good about us other than what God did in us by his grace. Let's be honest here, okay? And we're all the same. There's no blowing our horn here. But it's what we can do as a thank you for the Lord. For all that he's done for us, surely we should respond in kind and do something for the Lord, you know? I remember when the Lord told me to pray for the babies being murdered in America. Yes. You know, and I and I wasn't even walking in the faith at that point. And, and I didn't even think I was a believer. And I said, Lord, what do you want me to pray for? Why don't you get your church to pray? And he said, I asked my church to pray, and they won't pray. And I thought, I asked him, I said, what's wrong with your church? He wouldn't tell me. He just said, I want you to pray. And, you know, that was... The late 70s, Shannon, the Lord asked the church to pray for their babies. Yes. Their babies being murdered in America. They, they didn't, they didn't want to do it. They ignored him. They were, I don't know if they were too busy or what the problem was, but the church would not pray. That's all I know. Well, today, babies are still being murdered in America, and now a violent persecution is about to come on America, and Mothers and fathers that are believers, their own babies are about to be murdered. Will they pray? Today, Jesus is asking his people to pray for their own children and their grandchildren. Are there any mothers that care? Do Christian mothers care for their babies? Do Christian fathers have any concern for their children? Look, you may be too lazy to pray for yourself. Do you have any compassion for your children? Or is the church going to just skip it again? 
Well, the Lord asked everybody to fast and pray, but they wouldn't do it. I asked my church to fast and pray, and they won't fast and pray. That's pretty much the reality today, Shannon. I mean, you know, I haven't taken a poll or anything, but i I got to tell you, there's not a lot of people fasting and praying. No, sure. Most people are asleep in in the Matrix, you know, and they have no idea that they're naked. Well, you know what? We're without excuse. Shannon, we are without excuse because it's in the Scripture. You were supposed to study the Word. Half the people don't even believe that the the Scripture is real, brother. Well, they are surely deceived by the serpent because it is definitely real. And it is definitely the Word of God. They're reading scriptures that they have removed removed most references to prayer and fasting. The enemy is deceived. Throw those Illuminati Bibles away and get a real Bible, get a New American Standard, or get a King James. Trash that new Illuminati version. Do you think that God has sent the strong? Amen. Do you think God has already sent the strong delusion? Yes, it's already here, but it's going to get worse. And if you don't come out from among them, you're going to be swept away with them. And this is for all the marbles. This is for eternity. And it's you know what? It's not just for your life. One person, 100% sold out to the Lord, can touch all the people around them with salvation. Noah saved his family because of his faithfulness Noah's children and if he had grandchildren his children's children would have been saved because Noah was a praying God-fearing righteous man Amen you know we have got to get this correct and there's no more time This this is the last time Shannon this thing, Jesus. judgment on the church is coming this fall. The financial judgment is going to end. It's going to culminate in a total collapse. And the next judgment is the judgment on the people themselves. And then that will last for about a year. And then the third and final judgment will come on this nation. And that will be the sword to consume man and beast from the land. And then everybody's leaving. This nation will be no more. And out of the ruins of the current world and out of the ashes of America, a new world government will rise to power. And a false messiah, a terrible, the terrible image of an antichrist on this planet will be seen on the earth. And we will enter the final period of human history and and then the abomination of desolation will come and and the saints will have to flee into the wilderness and and within a short time, a times and a half a time, behold, he comes with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all the families of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, Amen, Revelation one seven. All the families of the earth will mourn. And when he breaks through those clouds, if we haven't been busy about his business, if we haven't been fasting and praying for the salvation of our loved ones that are lost, 
We haven't been interceding for our families that face violent persecution and death. We are going to be weeping tears of shame in his presence that our lazy, self-centered, carnal self would not get off the throne and that we would not bend the knee in our hearts and submit our lives to his cross and his sanctification and that we would not dedicate the time and, and the things we have been given for the purposes of his kingdom. We are going to be surely ashamed that we invested everything in the vanity of vanities in this hour because we should have known better those of us that can see this thing coming we should know better you know you don't want to be like Solomon and build a bunch of stupid stuff that you know just gets blown away you don't want to invest your life in a bunch of stuff that's going to end up in the dumpster spiritually when we enter the kingdom with nothing and we found out we did it all for ourselves and we did it all according to our own understanding we walked in the pride of our lives and we used our knowledge of good and evil and accomplished nothing of lasting value. Meanwhile, the people around us, many of them died, perished, and went to hell. We we're going to feel like real goofballs on that day. And the Lord will show us the true reality of everything in our life. I'm telling you, you do not know as you should have known. And that's why you've got to learn to walk by the Spirit because the Lord will lead you in the things you need to do. You will not figure it out with your knowledge of good and evil. You will not figure it out walking after the imagination that's in your own heart. You cannot figure out what to do. You must be led by the Holy Spirit. You've got yeah. to learn to enter into His presence. And the only way in is through the cross. And the only way to the cross is through repentance. And the only way to repentance is to have a bare heart. You know, it, it talks about the flesh being crucified, and that word for flesh that's in the Greek, Shannon, it's the muscle or the meat torn open with the skin ripped off. There can be nothing covering what's in our hearts when we do business with God at the cross. You can't have any fig leaves. You are going to stand there naked, and you're going to stand there with nothing covered. All of your sins exposed, and you've got to clean them out. And what, if you try to hide anything at all, you're not going to walk away sanctified. You've got to be fearless and faithful. And because the human heart's deceitfully wicked, that's why the, the prayer and fasting is so critical. You will not get it done any other way. I know not one and that's why the Lord told us, some kinds only come out by prayer and fasting. Some things only get done by prayer and fasting. And believe me, in this last hour, as Satan is being cast down from the heavens onto the earth, and he knows his time is short, with the greatest deception, the greatest sin and iniquity the world has ever seen, since maybe the days of Noah, right before the flood, we think we're going to get through this thing just on our own without doing everything the Lord commanded? What, are we kidding ourselves? You're kidding, right? God commands prayer and fasting. You're just going to leave that out and you think you're going to be fine? Is that hamburger that important? 
you really got to feed your belly every day. You can't fast and pray for the people that are dying and going to hell. You'd rather stuff that stuff in your mouth. It makes no sense, Shannon. And fasting's not that hard. I mean, really, it's not. You can do it. Of our listeners, I don't know if anybody's still with us because we've kind of gone oh, man. a little over. No, the but, uh, uh, the chat room went crazy. We, I mean, I said, "Whoa, we I got to do a show like every night at this hour." People are tuning in, man. Um, well, hallelujah. God bless you guys for hanging with us. <laughs> I would everybody, you guys, we got to fast and pray. If you are regularly fasting and praying, God bless you and strengthen you and empower you to continue. If you have not begun, you need to begin. You know, start with a day. Start with with three days. It's a lot easier than it than you would think if you haven't done it before. And, and after the third day, you're not even hungry. Day four, you get HD, high-definition vision, and your mind gets clear and you can feel the anointing. And when you start going before the Lord in prayer and you've been fasting for more than four days, you enter right in and the power of the Spirit falls in I'm telling you, waves of living water. And you start doing the heart work with the Lord after several days of fasting and prayer, and suddenly you're weeping and repenting of your sin. Your heart is breaking. And when you're done, you feel holy. And you feel clean. And your life begins to change. After you go through one of these solemn assemblies and you've spent a time of repentance in fasting and prayer before the Lord, you come out of that solemn assembly and you've got worship music in your heart when you wake in the morning and you're going through the day and you're like, wow, I'm entering into the spirit. I'm just, you know, spontaneously, you're just entering right into the spirit without even praying, Shannon. You just go, wow, I'm just like coming into sync with the Lord and, and you're starting to see things with the mind of Christ and, and you're looking at the ways of the flesh and you're like, oh, Lord, deliver me from that and, and you're being set apart, and suddenly you're walking in Him. You're beginning to perceive things through His mind. And you're not afraid of what's coming. And you begin to get clearer direction on what He would have you to do. And doors start opening, and and that's, that's what you're supposed to be doing. Amen. That's the way out of here, friends. You're not going to get there by doing it in the flesh. It's not going to work. Stop wasting your time. You know, it says insanity is defined by continuing to do the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And in a sense, we're all insane. Because many of us, through most of our lives, have continued to try to do the works of the kingdom through the flesh. And it does not work that way. But yet the flesh just... Can I try one more time? You know, that flesh just wants one more shot, but it never succeeds. You need to put the flesh in its place, which is the grave, recognize it's crucified, and put it down, put on the new creation, and start to operate through faith and through the power of the principles of the kingdom and, and through the spirit. And I'll tell you, there are strongholds, right, Shannon? The enemy's got yes. strongholds to try to keep you out. Oh, yes. And and it's a war, isn't it? There's a Amen. battle over your soul. 
And in that war, you need weapons. You need your sword, which is the word of God. You need that shield of faith, which is that the shield that protects your heart. But you know what else? I have found myself in a war. It's also nice to have cruise missiles and nuclear weapons. And that's what fasting and prayer is. Nuclear-tipped oh, yeah. cruise missiles. Because if you want rapid victory and you want it fast, you get it done through the fast. You're done through the fasting and prayer. So I would just encourage wow. everybody, if you're not doing it, you need to do it. You must hear me. Hear me now. You know, the prophet Jeremiah, that's his name in the English, but if you, his name in Hebrew is pronounced, hear me now. <laughs> hear me now. Wow. That's Jeremiah in Hebrew. And and the prophet Habakkuk is Habakkuk in the Hebrew. We have a kook here who thinks the, the way out of here is through the spirit and not the flesh. See, to the people in the world, we appear crazy. But from the mind of the spirit, this is the way. Walk ye in it. And all the children of God can hear and will answer and say, yes, amen. Amen. Brother Shannon, God bless you. Thank you for uh, you know hosting the show tonight. It's always great. Man, what an awesome show. Uh, he that wins souls is wise. It's the bottom line, folks. We better Amen. be uh, working on that if we want to have anything that's going to withstand the fire. doesn't get burnt up as hay, wood, and stubble. God have mercy. Um, brother, if someone would like to uh, order a copy of the day of the lord is at hand are there any copies left and how can they do that there are you can get it on amazon.com just type in either benjamin baruch um as the author or the day of the lord is at hand as the text um it'll come up as the second edition but i'm actually shipping a third edition uh, which has actually been rewritten to clarify some sections that i didn't didn't make as clear as it should have been uh, there's also a 2011 update that I'm adding, and um, I also ship it now with a DVD, uh, which was filmed when we did the national tour for the book back in uh, 1998, but a lot of what's on the DVD is still very relevant, um, and it's a different message than the message in the text, and so you can get it. It's listed as one of the, there's a number of um, booksellers that are selling my book, they're all selling the second edition. They don't have the third. Um, you can get the third edition, and it's from Prophecy Books. And, you know, if you can't afford to buy the book, um, I am not a prophet, and I'm not doing this for financial profit. Um, I'm a tent maker. That's my business. Um, if you cannot afford this book and you really feel the Lord impressing you to get a copy, you can write um, Shannon can forward an email to me, explain why you cannot afford the book. I will pray about your request, and if the Lord puts it on my heart, I will ship you a free copy. And um, But, you know, please understand I can't afford to ship them free to everyone, so if you want to read the book and you can afford to pay for it, um, I would encourage you to buy it. I don't take offerings when I minister, um, but I... I am offering this book for sale along with the DVD. So, and, you know, a lot of it is, I guess, on the Internet. 
as well, or excerpts of it are on the internet. But really, you don't need my the book that I typed. All you got to do is read Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Isaiah, Micah, uh, Malachi, and um, Revelation, and the four Gospels, and you'll get basically what's in the book. Because it's nothing more than a commentary on the last day's prophecies for this hour. And, you know, the scriptures being unsealed for everyone, the instructions to the body of Christ are in the Word of God. You guys need to get busy, turn off your TVs, turn off the entertainment of Babylon, and get into Holy Scripture because your life depends on it. Amen, it does. Will you close out tonight in prayer, brother? Yeah, absolutely. Father, I thank you that you are so merciful to forgive us for our sins when we have offended you many times, Father. But, Lord, you lay it aside. You forgive us and you forget about it. You put our sins into the sea of forgetfulness. You separate us from our sin as far as the east is from the west. And yet you also call us to forgive those trespassed against us. Father, I pray your spirit would search our hearts. Lord, that you would search the hearts of every listener and that you would bring to light the deep things within us, draw them out of us, that we would know what was within. Lord, that you could lead us in true repentance, that our hearts might be made pure and that we might turn from darkness to light and that we might make ourselves vessels that are ready for your service, that we would cooperate with your Spirit to the sanctification of our bodies, that we might become profitable and fruitful servants who do all that you command. Help us, Lord, to get ready for the day of your great appearing. Have mercy on your people, Lord. Lead us in victory over our enemies, over the devil, over the world, and over our own flesh, that we can learn to overcome through the power of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was shed for us and for the sins of this world, and, Lord, through the power of the word of our testimony that Jesus Christ is Lord and that every word you spoke is the truth. Lord, we look to you. We give you thanks. We give you praise. Our lives are in your hand, Lord. And we say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Maranatha. In Jesus' name, Father, we pray. Amen. Trumpet in Zion, sound